but aren't we be- aren't we better not, not knowing? knowing. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. This episode of Sincast is brought to you by NatureBox. Get three free snacks with your first order. Just visit naturebox.com slash Sincast and use code SINS. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yellow. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Yo. Yo, indeed. I almost yeah. went with Cowabunga, but at the last minute I failed. <laughs> You bailed on Calabunga. God, I've said weirder things. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, first things first, Jay, we're going to talk about uh, potential appearances that we're going to have, uh, or just appearances in general that we're going to have uh, in the next uh, month or so. Right. For instance, I'm going to grow a beard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you mm-hmm. didn't mean physical appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I meant physical appearances, too. Oh, okay. I'm going to start, you know, uh, wearing uh, what? I don't know. Overalls. Flailing. <laughs> Actually, you in overalls is a pretty nice picture. I Absolutely. Like that. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <That'd be awesome. laughs> um, so many pockets. Um, <laughs> you got to make use of it. That's right. But uh, right here in the the uh, the heart of Nashville, there is the Wizard World convention that's going on. And um, we are planning on doing a lot of cool stuff out there. That's this right. is September 8th, 9th, and 10th. Yep. And it's at the Music City Center, which is the bomb-ass brand-new convention center we built in Nashville. I say we because I personally helped build it. Mm -hmm, That's right. Um, (laughs) And uh, because it's our hometown, um, we we, want to try and blow it out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so we're not just going to show up and do a panel. Uh, We're going to try and do several events. And we actually have a meeting later today to find out how how many of these are going to happen. But for sure, we're going to do a live recording with a live audience of one of these episodes of the podcast. That's right. Which I think will be really fun uh, because when we lose our shit on stage, it's either going to be awkward silence or 500 people laughing with us. <laughs> Whenever Chris talks about overall. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, we also are going to try and do a Q&A panel separate from that. Mm-hmm. There will be times where you can get a picture with us or have a sign something. And in general, we don't charge for that shit like some people at conventions do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff at this convention, though, even if you don't want to come just for us. For instance, the biggest draw for me is Alan Tudyk. Is yeah. yeah. Friend of the show. Voice of the chicken from Moana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, Among other things. And, and, we will, and we will get him to say, I did not murder him. <laughs> um, not guaranteed. I was looking last night. There's going to be people from Firefly. Mm-hmm. There is going to be, well, Hulk is going to be there, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Um, anyway, check it out. Wizard World, Nashville. We should probably warn you about hotel prices downtown. Oh, yeah. Because it's Nashville is baller now yeah. when it comes to uh, hotel <laughs> prices. We, uh, we're going to actually bring Aaron Dicer down for this. Mm-hmm. And so we're putting him up in a hotel. And I was emailing him saying, listen, before you go looking, downtown hotel prices are insane. They are. We know this. It's worse than New York City, but we want you to stay close to the event so you can just walk a block or whatever. <laughs> so you mail me back. Boy, you aren't kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, but you don't have to go too far out of downtown to start finding reasonable hotel prices. Uh, and there's Uber and Lyft in town, taxi services. 
um, Airbnb. Well, and part of the reason why uh, it became like that, I think, is that when they built the convention center, they didn't have the hotel space to go along with it. Right, so right. they built like maybe one hotel, and that was that Omni Hotel. Yeah. Uh, they're building others like right next to it. You, you can't look downtown without seeing cranes yeah. uh, of condos and apartments being built. But um, yeah, we walked past my wife and I were at a restaurant yesterday. I walked past a, a painting of the Nashville skyline. She's like, oh, that's pretty. And I was like, Man, now it's all wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's inaccurate. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're going to start doing that because I, I think they I don't think they realize the popularity of that place. Yeah. Um, and I just think that, yeah, the growth has to catch up on the on the hotel room side of it. And probably about five years, it'll start to level off and mm. be a bit more reasonable. But again, there's stuff close enough. Uh, you can eat at some of our favorite restaurants while you're here. Mm -hmm. uh, we we plan, <laughs> of which there are many. <laughs> we plan to be at this convention every day doing some kind of event. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about all sorts of fun stuff that we might get into. Uh, but mostly we want you to start thinking ahead. If you're anywhere in the area, um, a couple hours drive, maybe you're just one state over. Come on down and see us. And bring yeah. your questions. Bring your questions. And yeah. Bring your you know, whatever you want us to sign. Yeah. Yeah. That w within reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> and again, it's September 8th, 9th, and 10th. And uh, check out their website, and uh, we're going to be there. We'll mm. see you. Yeah, that'll be fun. The other thing that we're doing, uh, we're not uh, a featured presenter or anything like that, but we will be at Podcast Movement, uh, one of the biggest uh, podcast conferences in the country every year. It's going to be in Anaheim, August 23rd to uh, the 25th. And we'll be there. So uh, if you are there at, at the convention, stop by and say hi. And uh, be glad to talk to you. Yeah, we're yeah. going. We're not going to be on panels and stuff there, mm. but we're going mostly to network with other podcasters and advertisers and just industry people, people who make your sound prettier. Mm -hmm. But I'll go ahead and tell you right now, I'm going to bail one of those days and go to Disneyland. Yeah, because it's literally right next door, <laughs> and the draw will be too too much. Because <laughs> I I was I went to Disney with my family. I've told you guys about that, and I I want to have another one of those Mickey pretzels. Yeah, they got these pretzels, pretzels in the shape of Mickey's head. They're ginormous, and you can get cheese with them. Oh, Are they good? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Plus, I've never been to Disneyland. I've been to ah. Disney World and the Orlando stuff from the time I was a kid up till now several times, but I've never actually been to Disneyland. Mm. And maybe Bieber will be there. Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> when, when the celebrities go to a he Disney, they go he, to Disneyland. He hasn't yeah. said he won't be there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. That confirmation. <laughs> that's right. true. I've, been, I've been hawking his Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Uh, but yeah, and, and, and just being in uh, Southern California during the summer and everything is always just, you know, you know, what's crazy. It's going to be so much nicer there than it is here. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. Oh that, yeah. That ocean breeze really does impact things. It helps, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, it'll probably rain while we're there. Yeah. It, <laughs> the it has rained every time we got out there. Even though everyone always tells us it never rains. It never rains. Has it really? It's always rain. has, oh, yeah. has one day. Has every some, single time. Some rain has Interesting. happened. Interesting. Yeah. And everybody, all the natives are all like, ah, oh, we haven't uh. had rain in six weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're welcome. Yeah, I know. We brought it with us. All right. Um, there's one other thing I want to pimp uh, today. and. Pimp. I'm pimping, We're pimping, <laughs> straight pimping. Um, but uh, I I met this I met this guy Nick Foxer uh, a few uh, I guess a few months ago uh, through this uh, real estate agent that we I don't know if he was him or if it was his girlfriend I don't remember who who how that happened or whatever but he was at this party and I saw this motherfucker do a One Direction 
a karaoke without looking at the words. Wow. Nice. He was sitting there just singing it. And he, at some point, he's like, I see you guys. You're looking at me to see if I'm looking at the words, but I'm not. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I talked to him last time a couple of months ago, and he said something about it. He's going to start this YouTube channel up, and he had this idea that he hasn't seen anybody else do and all that. And I was like, hmm, interesting. What could this be? Um, so... He has started a channel called Earth the Foxer. He just recently, like, I think he's in about the, I don't know, he might be about 30 episodes or so right now. Uh, and he's got, he just got to a thousand subscribers. Nice. Um, but it's just him. He, he, he flew to Paris and he, he's getting these like Airbnbs and stuff like that. And basically he, he allows the, uh, the people watching to steer his journey. Oh, so what hmm. he's doing is, is he is at a place and he says, all right, here are three spots that I'd like to go. You guys vote on it. I'll go there. So it's like choose your own adventure vicarious living through somebody else's life. Kind hmm. of, kind of. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pure travel porn. Um, <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with travel. There porn. is nothing, nothing wrong, with wrong with, there is nothing wrong with that. Uh, he is, you know, and, and so you see him go to all these places and he's, his it seems like his main theme is he's looking for places where there's music. So he wants to see if there's a you know, and you see in several episodes where he finds these like you know random festivals and stuff like that where people are playing music and all that. But he's also finding people who do art, and he's you know doing all these different you know it's like it's art, and there's there's music, and there's like going to beaches and going to all these different places and awesome. all that, and it's really cool. And I think he's an engaging you, especially for YouTube personality and everything. He talks directly to the camera, very confidently, and like you know, straight on, you know. And he's doing this every day. He's got an episode out every day. He's still in Paris. No, so. He started in Paris. Uh, it moved. He was in France for probably a good two to three weeks. Okay. Uh, and he went in. He went to. Uh, let's see. He went to a lot of. He went to some small stuff in the country. He went to Monte Carlo oh, at one awesome. point. Uh, and uh, he even went into. Uh, he went into a casino in Monte Carlo, and he won like a grand playing blackjack. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Right. Did that's he let insane. his viewers pick black a grand in euros? That's more than a grand in American money. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, it's it's fun watching him go to all these different places, especially stuff that you may not be totally familiar with. He's like looking up some really like yeah, maybe they're well known tourist locations, but you don't know exactly. I mean, I don't, I, I've never heard of a lot of these places and he goes out there and they're just gorgeous. They're just amazing. Huh. And I know he's doing this probably on a shoestring budget and everything. Mm -hmm. He's finding these Airbnbs. He's, you know, he's, he's taking mass transit whenever he can. Yeah. And so, um, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, I mean, it's fun to watch him do all that. I was just wanted to pimp him out and see. Yeah, you know, if you wanted to go see it, don't be a dick. If you're a dick, don't go watch a show and be like, oh, I heard about this on the, the Sincast, and I just wanted to say you're a dick. Of course, now that now someone's going to say that. What's uh, his name again? Yes. Yeah, huh? What's his name again? His name is Nick Foxer, and the show is called Earth the Foxer. We, cool. Like, Barrett, put the link in the description of this episode. All right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like right now. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, right now, place it. Uh, but, is that uh, gif of Kermit typing right now? Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait until his journey spirals into that uh, rules of attraction 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. European. Well, and, and so he's been in Italy for a while, and now, like, uh, the voting is uh, head, is getting him towards Switzerland and things cool. like that. So, uh, so I don't know if he's going to... I think... I don't know what the last episode said he was going i think i don't think he has another vote episode until like maybe the next one but uh but it's really interesting i had i have a ton of questions for that guy yeah. <laughs> i have yeah. a ton of them i tried to get him on facebook messenger and he's not on it so it's <laughs> like uh shit man i want to ask you a bunch of questions about how you're doing this um the most impressive thing is the one direction karaoke oh though. my god it was amazing he was just sitting there just owning this whole party with the one direction thing man <laughs> one d forever that's right uh anyway go check him out uh all right so we're gonna go right into the movie club today yeah, yeah. You, can find me in the club. you should join our club you and your friend now if you're not going to take this seriously perhaps we should disband the club now <laughs> <laughs> i love being a part of things uh we're going to be talking about cult films maybe not cult classics really i mean cult classic i guess has a has a connotation of a bigger cult yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <true>. <laughs> um, but i mean uh, those are fair game today we can do cult classics as well but these are cult movies movies that have developed somewhat of a following over the years uh it, it does kind of uh when we do our best favorite underseen and underrated i think a lot of these are underseen i think every one of them could be possibly put under un, in the underseen category although I guess there are some that are more underseen than others. Yeah, I mean, a, a cult, the way that I thought about a cult and then kind of looked up various definitions, a cult movie is more of like a, a movie that has like a passionate, fervent fan base. They mm -hmm. can quote dialogue. Uh, some of them have these like midnight shows and things like that. And sometimes it becomes ubiquitous, like Rocky Horror Picture Show or mm -hmm. something like that. Something like Monty Python, The Holy Grail, or Monty Python, really any of their features, um, started off as kind of like this niche thing, and now kind of everybody knows about them. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that would be an example of like a, a huge yeah, cult that would be called classic. classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, but uh, anyway, who wants to start off? What's the best? Oh, the best. Mm -hmm. Well, Jesus. I, I by the way, I, I did not prepare for this because Barrett has such a good list of notes. <laughs> Uh, but why don't you guys pick a best, and I'll start circling. Well, um, in the best category, I'm going to go with uh, pie. You have this, I think, oh. in the big list there. And I was like, yeah, pie, totally. Yeah. Darren Aronofsky's first movie. Um, and uh, it is, it's kind of, I feel like Edgar Wright saw this movie. And, uh -huh. and sort of, it sort of informed some of the way he does his, does his stuff as well. Because there's a lot of that. There's a that constant like every time the guy wakes up he pops pills he does all this yep. it's like and it and it doesn't this like nice rhythm and everything. Pie is one of those just really interesting movies where is the guy crazy is 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 the all the numbers in his head making him crazy mm -hmm. or is this conspiracy that he's thinking of is it really happening? And so Pie is a really interesting movie. It's black and white. It is it's definitely dirt cheap as hell. Yeah. Um, Small cast. Too. Well, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and it's just one of those movies that uh, it's it's really unusual to watch. Um, Does it present? Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it it basically leans towards him being crazy, right? Yeah. Throughout the entirety of it, and then you start getting clues throughout that like there's something going on right mm -hmm. and then the end is one of the most disturbing yes weirdest 
uh, ways to end a movie I think I've ever seen, and it's all it's all grounded by the the main character, the main actor there. Yes, uh, who's really compelling. So yeah, I, it, this is a, a really good movie. Well, yeah, he thinks that there's patterns in the numbers and everything. It's almost beautiful mindish, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, this movie did come out before Beautiful Mind, but it's not it's not like Beautiful Mind or mm-hmm. anything. It's just that. Uh, but he thinks that there's patterns in the numbers, and he thinks that there's conspiracies involved with it and everything. It's not like the number twenty three. <laughs> no, <laughs> it is not. Um, but um, yeah, he he thinks that there's like yeah, there's like a universal pattern in in numbers. He's like using all these numbers to try to do to buy stocks and and uh, you know do all these type of things with them and everything. Um, but uh, Mark McGolis is in this movie. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, you Breaking Bad and Better Call uh, Saul yeah. fans. Uh, will uh will enjoy seeing his appearance in the 90s nice <laughs> you know uh but it's a it's a i i don't know it's it's one of those movies hard to recommend necessarily that's why it's sort of a cult movie a lot of you will watch this and will not be able to get past the first 20 minutes because it's it's so fucking just so is, low rent yeah it is real student filmy yeah at the yeah. beginning i i I used to look into the sun, <laughs> directly yeah, into the sun, my yeah, eyes yeah. would burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you can see the style that Darren Aronofsky has in this movie, and uh, and so it's at least worth a look just to see a, a fun, like, lo- like how to do a movie low rent, but still entertaining and, you know. My, most of my picks are going to fall under a, a pretty strict definition for me. It's mm-hmm. just the way my brain thinks. But in general, I think of a cult movie as one that didn't do much when it came out, and then later found a, a very vocal, passionate fan base. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of those go on to be even bigger. One, I, one of the things I love is that we can self-correct as, <laughs> as an American film audience. <laughs> so when The Nightmare Before Christmas came out, yep. it was kind of almost, now it may have made more money than I remember, but it was almost a blip in the sense that for about three years there, it felt like I was part of a very exclusive club. No, this movie made only like $50 million, yeah. somewhere around there. And and I only saw it because my brother brought it home and said, you need to watch this. My parents were disgusted by it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I fell in love immediately. It's so charming. Now, that movie is now, I think, mainstream. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a film fan, almost all of you have seen this movie. And I knew that it happened about 10 years ago when I was helping out with a youth group at this church. And one of the 13-year-olds came to youth group wearing a Jack Skellington shirt. <laughs> and I knew he had bought it at like Suncoast Media in the mall or something. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that movie is now finally properly appreciated. Yeah. But it, there were several years there where it wasn't. And it was merely just like my brother. I mean, people passing it on to friends and loved ones. You got to watch this. You got to watch this. It became so much so that it got a re-release yeah. much later. I think a 3D re-release or something like that. Hmm. Um, it may, it may, They may have not have done the 3D. Well, and I just sure. read they're making a sequel in comic book or manga form or something. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean that that universe you could explore a lot. Of, yeah, obviously. absolutely, absolutely. But what this does have, you mentioned that your parents were were disgusted, but what it does have is it's not it's not over the top. Like it's not hard to watch. I watched it with my five year old when he was five, and it's like he wasn't disgusting to look at. But my parents were well. You know, first of all, their parents, right, they're right, older right. generation, they're boomers or what have you, and they're looking at you know bats wings being pulled off and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just the idea of what you're seeing is kind of gross to them they didn't they weren't like charmed by that at all but. yeah and this is a super quotable movie but mostly from the music oh yeah like this is halloween this la la mm-hmm. la 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 
Um, and all the, you know, what's this and like Christmas town yep. and all that, uh, man, Jack's lament when he's in the, uh, in the cemetery at the end. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, man. Like I used to get excited like around like the end of August and going into fall, I would get excited just to watch that movie again. Yeah. Cause you can watch it from, you know, beginning of October basically until Christmas. Because uh, it covers all the holidays. And yeah. It's really, really fun. Yeah. And I'm done with the debate. My wife and I have agreed to disagree that it is both a Halloween movie and a Christmas movie. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'm not yeah. going to argue that anymore. We'll just yep. watch it twice. There you go. And no, no one's going to be disappointed in our house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm also leaning toward a bigger cult. Um, this movie really had nothing going for it when it first came out, but is now really in the popular culture. It's The Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a perfect example, too, because <laughs> I do not get this movie. It's very divisive. I know several people that do not get it or like it or both. Yeah, but they have, like, festivals now. Lebowski <laughs> Fest. I think Jeff Bridges showed up one year. Well, he did. And, the, and the guy who actually ha- is the basis of the dude has shown up. Oh, wow. Too. Yeah, the first one, the first Lebowski Fest actually happened in Louisville. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. It was uh, put on by some friends of friends, and they thought because all they just you know in their formative years they were quoting the movie to each other. They were uh, you know playing it on repeat and all that stuff, and like dressing like the characters occasionally. And this movie is super super quotable. It's got great turns from like Philip Seymour Hoffman, of course Jeff Bridges. Um, you know everybody in this is, is just a lot of fun. The whole movie is. Much better than I think it, it gets credit for yep. because it's a good mystery. It's kind of like this Philip Marlowe type of uh, situation. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Bridges, man, the dude has just a, a a characterization that is just really difficult not to love. Yeah. I don't know exactly what to tell people when they don't like this movie. And I know other people, <laughs> too, that don't like it. Um, it's more than what it is on its surface is the number one thing that I can I can bring up here. Yes, it looks like a stoner comedy. Mm-hmm. And you can, I'm sure there's people who enjoy it just as a stoner comedy. But when you put somebody who is as average and as stoned as as the as uh, the dude is in this and put him in the most confusing mystery <laughs> possible, a lot of that, a lot of the humor is derived from that. And a lot of the, and, and there's also a lot of like uh, really fun, Stuff like he'll hear something early in the movie and then somehow he'll incorporate it later on in the movie. Yeah. The very beginning of it is George Bush saying, This will not stand. This aggression will not stand. <laughs> yeah. Later on, he's in the car and he's like, This will not stand, man. This will not stand. <laughs> and and he does that so many different times. Like when you go and watch this, and I've seen it twenty to thirty times. Um it's just one of those where you just keep on picking up on things that <laughs> that happen throughout. A lot of really fun artistic touches in it. The you know all the little dream sequences in there. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the sort of the emphasis on scissors yeah, and yeah. like emasculation and all that that's going <laughs> on in the movie. Uh, so there's a lot of the references to I'll cut off your Johnson yeah, yeah. and all that, and people like wanting to keep their Johnsons <laughs> and. Uh, because who um, wouldn't want to keep their job? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Steve Buscemi, the characters in it. I mean, the characters are all well drawn out. Steve Buscemi is always the, you know, just like John Goodman. I am Goodman. the walrus. Yeah, I am the walrus. just as John Goodman says he is. He's like, <laughs> you're like a child who wanders in the middle of a movie and you don't know who, you know. Um, Shut the fuck up, yeah. Donnie. <laughs> it's, it's like... Uh, 
the 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 John Turturro character. I love the whole thing where Goodman's like sitting there talking about like, yeah, he, uh, he got he got convicted uh, for uh, you know uh, uh, flashing eight year olds or whatever <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, man, yeah, dude, he's a pervert. He's like, no, no, seriously, he's got a record and everything. <laughs> and and like uh, he's like he had to go around the neighborhood and tell everybody that he was a pederast. And he show, shows him like knocking on the door and this big dude and a wife beater shows up and you see Turturro about to say it and they don't they don't go any further and like and uh so then Turturro comes over he's the Jesus yeah. he comes over and he's like he's like yelling at him and everything he's like hey what is this what is this day of rest shit blah 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 it's like I would have fucked you in the ass on Saturday but now I'm gonna fuck you in the ass next week and everything and then like after this whole diatribe Goodman just turns to, 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 to Jeff Bridges and says, eight-year-olds, dude. <laughs> and, that's after he goes, that, that's right. You don't fuck with the Jesus. Yeah, no. It's like, it's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, we're going we're gonna to beat your ass uh, on Wednesday or whatever. And he's like, well, yeah, man, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> um, that movie is is so funny, like all the way through it. So yeah, I understand. I guess if you watched it once and you may have been not entirely in the right mood or mm -hmm. whatever like that, and you watched it and you're like, oh yeah, that's just a stoner comedy of some sort. Uh, I disagree. Uh, yeah. It's just one of those movies that has way more to it than just that and everything. Well, I, see what I what I mean when I say I don't get it. I don't get why this became a cult classic. Like. Mm. I don't hate it. Mm. I didn't even dislike it. Mm -hmm. I'm just, of all the Coen Brothers movies, it feels like Hudsucker Proxy should have been the cult classic way before this one was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just, maybe it's just the way it hits me. Again, I, I laughed at the movie. I just don't, I don't feel like, oh, yes, this is one everyone needs to see. Yeah, I think it's because the characters are so outrageous. I mean, you've got the, uh, you've got the Sam Elliott character that's the narrator, and then you've got John Goodman, who's this, oversized personality both physically and and character wise and he's just this ticking time bomb yeah which is what what makes that so funny when he's being provoked by the jesus and yeah. it's like eight-year-olds <laughs> yeah. because he's screaming about vietnam and yeah. he's getting guns out and shit like that and then you have Turturro's character and you have bashimi's character that's just like this this little annoying gnat and all that stuff and then you've got centered with all this is the dude who kind of just observes all this stuff until he's thrown into this thing and i think those characters are so outlandish that i think it makes it more uh, a little more meat to to grab onto i also love hot sucker proxy but i could see why this has a broader well, appeal and i think it's easier to relate to his stoner character than it is like you know and i love hot sucker proxy too we may be the only three people yeah. in the world. <laughs> um but uh, you know, there's nothing in Hudsucker Proxy that you can sort of live a life by or right. anything like that. Whereas the Big Lebowski has sort of a this easy like, yeah, man, it's it's kind of cool to be like the dude, just be lazy <laughs> and like somehow never have to pay rent. Yeah, somehow. the rent's due tomorrow. Yeah, far out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but everybody likes him. Everybody that comes into contact with him is just like, that's well, the dude. Yeah. And uh, there, yeah, there's so many. Just yeah, the, you you put that that guy with all the different characters that get thrown in there, the Julianne Moore character mm -hmm. and everything. You're like, you're like, I mean, that is as, those are two worlds as far <laughs> apart as possible, and everything. And it's just fun watching him interact with all those people. Anyway, yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting movie. I, like I said, I don't know what to tell people <laughs> when they don't like it. 
Uh, I would say give it an, give it another shot. Yeah. If you, if you didn't like it the first time. And maybe even... If you didn't like it the second time, then fine. Maybe even... Smoke some weed while you watch it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's that's another thing. I've I have I've never done I've that. Never actually. done it. Yeah, but I'm just saying. We should. It's uh, it's something that, uh, that don't do drugs. That happening. <laughs> Dare to be different. <laughs> I'm upset that when I was in Vegas, I didn't take care. I didn't uh, take advantage of one of the dispensaries. That that's true. There. They have yeah. those in Vegas. Oh they do. man, it was fucking everywhere. Well, you're walking down the sidewalk and nobody. Get, I mean, it's like it's all you can smell it and everything. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a... My whole uh, hotel room floor just was a, like a cloud of weed smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so now that i said that, you guys want to uh, come out to Vegas with me next year when I play in the main event again? <laughs> I might have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, you can, that. Don't they, do drugs, Well, kids. and they like, put it in like candies and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. man. I mean, not that I know. Edibles. Not that I know, but, yeah. but I have heard. <laughs> mm-hmm. They put it in candy. I mean, <laughs> we we went to a great restaurant called Black Sheep, yeah. and it was amazing. I uh, felt really bad about not going to a dispensary. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what are your favorites of the cult the cult movies? Well, I I don't know that I would even call this my favorite. I do really really like it. But another just a great example of a movie that didn't catch on until years after was Super Troopers. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice! To the yes. point where it has such a large fan base, they broke Kickstarter records when they kickstarted the sequel. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just saw on Reddit yesterday or maybe even this morning that they have wrapped post production on Super Troopers two. Mm. Um, nice. Now it's been so long, and they have built up such a passionate fan base. I'm a little worried because yeah. if you look at some of their other movies like Club Dread and. Ooh. You know, we have to fight. Uh, yeah, I, I, we're about Cl- to fight. Club uh, Dread is is a lot of fun. Like I, I, I it's I fir- totally different. Though. I first didn't like Club Dread, and then I watched it again, and I was like, I okay, mm-hmm. I'm I'm on board. Uh, and and Beer Fest, I, well, Beer I'm Fest, a yes. huge fan of Beer Fest. Now, yeah, that Duke's a Hazard thing. I don't know if that's <laughs> entirely their fault. No. I mean um, movies like that, but uh, overall, I kind of enjoy their even um, the Slam and Salmon. That movie where they're they're all waiters at a restaurant and oh, shit. Never saw it. It's actually really fun. Mm. Uh, one of the one of the, uh, I guess it's one of the last performances of Michael Clark Duncan's in that movie. There's too. a very there's a certain everyman kind of charm to this group, this troupe, yeah. right? That yeah. you feel like it's almost Kevin Smith like. You feel like they're they're all one of us, mm-hmm. but they snuck into this world where they get to make movies. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't think any of them are an A plus, but I don't think any of them are too far below a you know, B or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Super Troopers is just insanely watchable to me. And mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it in years. And I watched it again a few months ago. And you completely forget that uh, Brian Cox is in this movie. Yeah. In one of the least Brian Cox in this ah, role yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. It's I love a- that moment. This is where he kind of announces himself. They're in the bar and it's state troopers. And then, you know, the cops, the city cops come in and everything. And they start like chugging maple syrup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once he gets done, he's like, I am all that is man. And then <laughs> Brian Cox comes in, like helps break up the eventual fight. And he's like, sorry, you know, once they get to chugging syrup, they get all antsies in their pantsies. <laughs> <laughs> I use that. I use that term so much in my personal life. Oh, yeah. Anytime my wife is like ready to go somewhere, I'm like, ah, you got all antsies in your pants. <laughs> well, well, and, you know, it's hard to market a movie like this when it. When it came out, nobody knew who any of these people were, mm-hmm. and it you know it's a small budget comedy. 
Uh, well, we knew who Brian Cox was, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so I can see why it took a while to find its audience. I'm betting it did nothing at the box office. No. Um, and yet its quality is still strong, mm-hmm. and it has slowly over time gotten exposed to more and more This people. is one of those comedies in 2002, man. Like, this used to make a ton of these type of or genre of comedies or whatever like just had no chance yeah i don't know i don't know what it is like you can name almost any of these type of comedies in 2002 into 2004 or so and none of them did anything they're just like these low rent comedies uh, and this one is a low rent comedy yeah, and yeah. it just happens to have a lot of really funny things in it yeah. and and I know that there's there's just people who just randomly will start talking about the you know how many times they can say meow yeah. to somebody <laughs> and all that. Well, the baseball players even do it. Mm-hmm. Like some major league yeah. player did it last season. I remember, like for our whole interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, Listen, meow. Yeah, that's a that's a good one though. Um, speaking of comedies, Hot Rod. Oh, nice. Um, I I did not see this when it came out and uh and and i remember somebody at uh hollywood 27 in my last stint there was uh really liked it and and there were a lot of people making fun of him for saying oh it's really funny and everything like that and i was like oh, okay well i guess it's not that good of a movie or whatever mm-hmm. but i uh i ended up watching it and hot rod is probably one of my favorite comedies of the last oh 10 years or so oh really wow. yeah yeah it's it's goofy it's so goofy <laughs> It yeah, has, I mean, you really have to like that kind of brand of humor, I guess. Yeah, too. you do. Um, but uh, yeah, I like it when comedies sort of go for it and don't give a fuck. And uh, and this one just doesn't. And um, and and so especially, man, that that whole scene with them like getting everybody and they're singing and and downtown. <laughs> we I brought this one up before. They're singing and it's all. You know, everybody's together singing this song and everything, and then it suddenly turns into a big full scale <laughs> riot. <laughs> um, it's always great. There's the, there's the, there's the whole thing where he, uh, he shoots or like his brother shoots a movie of him, and he and he shows it in a theater, and he sells it out yeah. and everything. But everybody went there to make fun of him, yeah. <laughs> you know. And and, uh, and he he gets so mad, he throws the entire like projector out of the the, the, the booth or something like. I, I think that's what he does. He smashes it or something, and like and like like afterwards, he's he's like, well, we, he's, the theater owner comes out and he's like, well, you owe this amount of money. He's like. I just sold out your theater, man. And he's, <laughs> he's like, and he's like, he's like, yeah, but the damages cost and all that go well beyond that. And, um, Bill Hader's really funny yep. in it. Bill Hader's uh, always funny. He's he is Danny McBride. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole yeah. Danny McBride after that riot scene just happens to show up with a TV, <laughs> and he's just like he's like, yeah, man, you don't know what to do in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh but yeah I, I love that movie it's very nutty it's very i guess uh you know it make it has a big uh uh footloose uh, yeah. uh parody in it and all that there's a point where he falls down a mountain for like oh five minutes it feels <laughs> yeah. like or whatever 
Uh, I've always enjoyed comedies that just say, fuck it. And let's just do this and not worry about it. He's, he says, I think he said when he made this, he was trying to make like a movie like Adam Sandler used to make yep. back in the, now you look at Adam Sandler, Billy Madison, happy Gilmore. You can see that sort of that feel. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like Billy Madison, happy Gilmore either. So if you don't like those, you may not like that. I think hot rod might be better than these, those two movies. Um, it's up there. Yeah. But, uh, but like, uh, when you look at those early adam sandler movies they didn't give a fuck man yeah and and later on he started i don't know there was something less about them like it just it wasn't there wasn't really a care about the comedy anymore mm-hmm. um there, i mean yeah sure there's like funny little situations and everything but they don't go for it they just don't go for it like they used to yeah and this is what hot rod does uh, one of my favorites is probably still on the cult level, like on the small cult level. And it's probably like people like me, like, uh, mid thirties to late thirties, white guys that like music, but mm-hmm. it's high fidelity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's grown over the years just because of all the talent that's involved and all the quotes and all the, it, like Jeremy always says, this movie is my happy place. Yeah. Like I can watch this movie anytime and I will be content. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's got great pacing, it's got great dialogue. The best, I think, the best John Cusack performance that I've seen. Um, put that up there with Better Off Dead or Say Anything or anything like that. Um, because it looks like he's really engaged in this character. It looks like it really could be him. Now, yeah. he's an asshole in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and his assholery shines through mm-hmm. even when you're rooting for him and it's like ah it's it's that friend that that you like you really like him but they can be an asshole at times mm-hmm. it's just like damn uh but then you've got the turn from jack black almost like a star making performance here uh just unhinged and oh man it's so great mm-hmm. they're it listing is. well and top I don't, fives and all that i don't think it did very well i don't think it was any kind of hit when it came out um even though it had kind of a pedigree because it was it's nick nick hornby right mm-hmm. Uh, and his other films had films based on his books had done well. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. I don't like it the way you like it, mm-hmm. but I don't have. I don't find faults with it. Um, it is one of the loopiest Tim Robbins performances you're ever going to see. <laughs> yeah, you know. What well, I mean? it's great because he's got. It's. I was watching Annie Hall. It's a little bit of a, a derailment, but I was watching Annie Hall last night. And we always talk about Annie Hall, and there are some like fantasy elements, like when he pulls the expert out of the, the movie line and all that stuff. Yeah. But one I had forgotten was uh, when they're in bed together, Woody Allen and Diane Keaton, and she doesn't really want to have sex, but she said, I'll just go along with it. And you can see like her her soul mm-hmm. kind of get up and, and sit on the chair while her body is making love. And that was that was one thing that I remembered. But then he starts talking to it. Yeah, <laughs> like he's yeah. like, "This is what I'm talking about." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can actually, like, point to it. Right. <laughs> so it's like these fantasy elements in in High Fidelity. He's got that moment that everybody has thought about because Tim Robbins is his ex girlfriend's new boyfriend, and you know he's got this. He comes in and he's just like he gets over the desk. He's like, get your patchouli stink out of yeah, my yeah. store. Yeah, and he lights a cigarette. It's like punk motherfucker. Yeah, and then like it goes back to him like behind the counter and he's just like nodding yeah and that was one of the first i think that that was the it may not have been the first movie to do that but it was one of the first times i had ever seen that where it looked so real yeah. like they didn't they didn't do the whole dream like they just cut right to yeah it. man uh, and then of course they started smashing them with the cash machine yeah that, that's the funny thing is they is is the q sex like get him man and like they did like a, just, yeah kill him essentially um but uh 
Yeah, um, High Fidelity made uh, $27 million. Jesus. It came out. Yeah, it came out in March of 2000. They probably paid 10 to Cusack alone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you're right about Cusack's performance in this, and, and a lot of it, I think, has to do to his character. I mean, most of the time, Cusack is the type of actor he's so likable that it doesn't matter that he doesn't really do anything different in mm-hmm. a lot of his movies. It's really just him. Right. Uh, he's just one of those type of guys. But this is a movie where they've given him some sort of character to play. Um, and and he this was the same team with Gross Point Blank. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not the same director and everything, but uh, the same writers and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I, those are his two best right there. Yeah, yeah. Gross Point Blank and this one, because there's some dimension and we'll say anything obviously is is probably is but he has less best. he has less dimension certainly in say anything yeah, than he yeah. does in any of these because right. he's just this paragon of virtue lloyd dobler that everybody like he's he's the uh, manic pixie dream yeah, girl yeah he's, he's he's the marty stew <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> let's not do that again <laughs> all right so underseen underseen which i think? like i said i do believe that most of these are underseen right so you're trying to find that movie that uh, that is extremely underseen, I guess. Or I, the other day, uh, I was I brought up Kentucky Fried Movie to somebody, yeah. uh, and this is somebody who basically knows movies, and they had not heard of it. Wow, hadn't heard of it, had never heard of. Oh it. wow! Now they're, they're on the youngish side, mm. but but still like knows a lot of movies and stuff. So. Kentucky Fried Movie was the first Zucker Brothers. Now, they didn't direct it. I believe it was Landis who directed this, John Landis. So the Zucker Brothers uh, wrote Kentucky Fried Movie. They had done this uh, like uh, Kentucky Fried Theater thing uh, for, for a while in, uh, what was it, Wisconsin is where they're from. They used to do a Kentucky Fried Theater thing. And then they made a movie, Kentucky Fried Movie, which is really just a bunch of skits. Yep. And uh, there is one big long one in there in the middle that's like the Enter the Dragon spoof mm-hmm. or whatever, and it, and that's the one that's got that great like uh, you know the, the guys like uh, giving all these punishes punishments to people. He's beheading people and everything, and and the guy's like, "You're gonna behead me? You're gonna behead me?" He's like, "No, take this guy to Detroit." And he's like, "No, no, not Detroit, not Detroit." Um, it's a uh, it's it's also at a, a R rated level that they yeah. really hadn't. That you don't really see later. I mean, they, I guess, airplane and naked gun have their like R-rated elements and everything. Mm-hmm. But this is like full on yeah. R-rated movie. Like they um, make fun of these, like you know, these B movie uh, sex thriller type things where it's just a bunch of like just basically just an excuse to have a bunch of naked women in <laughs> yeah. it. Um, uh, there's another one where like a guy has trouble pleasuring his wife. So he has to get big John Slade. <laughs> <laughs> so well, there's another scene in there where like there a couple's making out on the, the couch. Yeah. And, and, they, and uh, the news, the, the news is on in the background and the newscaster is like, uh, he's, he's doing yeah. his report and he can, he can see them and he's like getting all hot and like, yeah. uh, and, uh, it's going to be 86 and he's like and taking his like, tie off. There's all these <laughs> other people coming <laughs> At the end of it, they're just like doing dog whistles. Yeah. Right? Oh, 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 my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> then you yeah, look up really... and you're like, oh, shit. All right. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> um, there's like just one simple skit where I think it's actually David Zucker himself who goes into a car and there's like all these different alarms. So like 
there's one for the lights there's one for the seat belt there's all this other stuff and then there's this one final one he doesn't know which one it is and then he just zips his pants and that's what the <laughs> that ends the ends the alarm um yeah so it's just a bunch of skits uh all cobbled together and everything and i don't know i, w- I wouldn't say this movie's just laugh out loud funny all the way through it or anything no like it's got that. it's got some valleys it's got it. some got some definite valleys in it but uh it's got a lot of really funny things in it mm-hmm. and uh so yeah uh, to satisfy your Zucker brothers and everything, watch some Kentucky Fried movie. Definitely underseen. Yeah. I got one. Mm-hmm. Because in the last 10, 20 years, whenever I bring this movie up, there's always a small portion, small percentage of whoever's there that's like, that movie's awesome. There's a, there's a cult here. But it's also an old enough movie that it's underseen because most of you listening were two when it came out. <laughs> Heavyweights. Oh, I've never huh. seen this. Oh, my God. You're, you would enjoy it. Yeah. It's basically the genesis of what Ben Stiller's character becomes in Dodgeball. Huh. Um, and I haven't seen Heavyweights in a while. There may even be intentional references in Dodgeball because he's basically the director of a fat camp um, for kids who's like way over the top and too harsh. Um, oh, yeah. And, like White Goodman? Yeah. Well, yeah. Basically, he's, he's that guy only 10 years prior or something. And it's got a lot of charming child actors and they end up having to band together and fight this you know dictator of a camp director um and it's just it's really really fun it, it made me smile real big when i watched it i have very vivid memories of josh and i running this in college um and it's just charming i think you'd enjoy it mm, interesting it's not i'm not saying you know it's the best comedy ever i just uh, it's it's just unfortunate i can't contribute because well, i don't it's okay um i couldn't contribute to kentucky fried movie so. <laughs> um i have heard good things about it though yeah but i, I Every time I've ever brought it up and somebody in, in the room has seen it, they have good things to say. And mm-hmm. so I think there's a small, as yet to be organized online, cult of heavyweights. So mm-hmm. this was a 1995 heavyweights? Yes. This is, and it was written by Judd Apatow. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. With Stephen Brill, who directed it. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember it actually coming out and I just dismissed it completely. I watch don't it. blame you, but uh, it's I think it was Ben Stiller that drew us to, to rent it because mm-hmm. at, you know, at that time he was an interesting guy doing interesting stuff. Now he's just making Night at the Museum over and over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was he the the camp director in this? Yeah. Oh, he's actually the guy. Ah. Oh, yeah. He's the actor. Nice. In the, the yeah. Role. Ben Stiller used to do like five movies a year. Oh, it yeah. Was, it was one of those type of things. Like, until he became a huge star. <laughs> He was like in everything, yeah. And uh, even uh, I think even after there's something about Mary, which was probably his biggest, you know, hit and everything, he was still in a lot of stuff there for a while until it finally just sort of stabilized and mm-hmm. he was Ben Stiller, you know. So yeah. anyway, anyway, I like it. I think you would enjoy it. Nice. Just I don't hear too many people talk about it. Yeah, I've got one that's pretty underseen too, and this is definitely a cult. I would even call it classic, just a small cult. Uh, it's a movie called Sid and Nancy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus um, Christ. And have you seen this? I am not a part of this cult. Yes, I've seen this movie. <laughs> you didn't like it? I couldn't get through it almost. Oh, I mean, really? It's just, it's, it's the, it, go on. It's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It really is. Um, and I have not seen this. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So this is Sid Vicious, uh, the basis for the Sex Pistols, and it's based on his actual life. And if you like punk rock, if you like rock and roll, um, if you like um just that kind of element like it's it's really really good and part of the reason is that gary oldman plays Mm -hmm. um sid vicious fucking amazingly i mean it's just it's incredible because it it does show like the beginnings of the sex pistols if you know anything about the sex pistols they only put out one technical album and they were this flash this this 
this shooting star that just fizzled out, mostly because Sid Vicious got into heroin. Yeah. And one of the reasons he got into heroin was his girlfriend, Nancy. And this is the story about it. And what's really cool about this is that you see the love that they have for each other because she was just this like drug addicted groupie uh, who he initially was just like, fuck, I don't, I don't need any of that stuff. But then they fall literally in love. And it's this very, I mean, it's, it's like uh, Jesse and, and Jane and Breaking Bad. Like mm-hmm. you can tell how much they love each other, but they're just destructive to each other mm-hmm. so much. So, and it's not giving away because it actually happened in, in reality that uh, she ends up dying at the end. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that, uh, Sid Vicious may have actually killed her hmm. um, by stabbing her in in this drug haze, basically. Mm. But the interesting part of the movie is where it's, it shows the rise of the Sex Pistols and how they got to one of the, arguably one of the biggest bands in the world, even though they were this punk band from England. And then the quick decline too, while Johnny Rotten, the the lead singer, uh, is is trying to keep this going. Um, Sid Vicious is just absolutely like cannonballing, like mm. he's he's missing shows he's just drugged out of his mind he can't really do anything and some of the time during the heyday of the sex pistols that was okay because that was kind of their brand of music that they were selling but it got to to two destructive things so watch this for gary oldman uh chloe webb plays nancy and then there's a really early turn for courtney love in this movie oh really uh and she's uh, she's proven to be a very capable actress so it's a really really good movie very underseen and yes it, it's got a particular look that may uh, that may kind of uh, turn you off. I want you guys but... to know I'm making a disgusted face the whole time <laughs> he's talking about this movie. I did not enjoy this experience at all, but I I do agree that Gary Oldman is probably worth watching the film because mm-hmm. he's always great. So. Yeah, uh, it's like 27, 28 year old Gary Oldman, right? Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, it's young he's, Gary Oldman. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, underrated, underrated, which is another interesting thing about the cult uh, uh, movies. I mean, uh, again, a lot of these probably are considered underrated by the cult uh the cults that follow these movies so (laughs) um i would say most of them but um uh i i have i think i've talked about observer and report a bunch Mm. so uh i'm that is so good it is it is a good movie oh it's really good and i i think it i think it's it's um it really doesn't get get its due as the sort of the funny taxi driver, even though it's still really dark and everything. Has that developed a cult? Uh, or, I'm not like, sure if it has. Yeah. Like, cause both you, of the ones that I have for my underrated, I'm not sure has, has developed a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, it should. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know if I hear very many people talk about observe and report. Maybe this is a category where you just kind of say, you know, maybe this is something that should be, you know, considered more mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, uh, but um, I don't know. Observant Report, uh, I just think is a is a good movie. It's got it's got obviously it's not perfect by any means, right? Uh, but I think it's I think it is a really good take on Taxi Driver. And and like, look, Taxi. I mean, this movie's still dark enough that you know some of the funny moments in it can sort of ring false. I guess yeah, at yeah. times. Um, because it gets creepy. Yeah, it gets super creepy. <laughs> yeah. But it's also way, I mean, it, it does have a little bit more of a lighthearted look than ta- Taxi Driver is completely dour. I don't <laughs> yeah. think there may be like a couple of jokes in Taxi Driver and it's all Albert Brooks. <laughs> um, but uh, 
but yeah, observing report is one of those movies that I, I don't think gets enough, uh, gets enough play. And I don't know if it ever will really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many people are still on a big Seth Rogen train. I mean, it's Seth Rogen. I, I really like the guy and everything. I just feel like that whole period of time where Rogen sort of rose in the comedy ranks has started to go down quite a bit in the past few years. Yeah, which and that's a shame for this movie because he's very anti Seth Rogen in this mm-hmm. movie. It's very different take. Yeah, the 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 just the the I will I, I'll try to sell it on this one scene. Um, there's a point where Ray Liotta uh, takes Seth Rogen out to this dangerous fucking neighborhood. And mainly Ray Liotta is just sort of shining on Seth Rogen the whole time. Seth Rogen wants to be a cop. Ray Liotta is like a big shit cop and everything. Um, And everybody down at the station can't stand the Seth Rogen guy because he, you know, he keeps on going to the station and asking for jobs and he's always failing the tests and he's he's not cop material and everything. So Liotta takes him out to this dangerous ass neighborhood and tells him, you know, uh, we're going to do this and this and this and whatever. And he tells Seth Rogen to get out, of, get out of the, uh, get out of the car, and uh, he'll be back or whatever. Ray Liotta drives off; he's never coming back. Tells him that this is a place where a lot of drug deals happen and all that. So there's a point where like a bunch of kids are doing this drug deal and everything, and Rogan gets pissed off and and, and like you know like actually actually puts handcuffs on the kid yeah. and like you see the next scene you see him walking in the station with the, with this kid and everything he's like sit down sit down right there blah 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 i got this motherfucker you know all that type of stuff that seth rogan does uh you know he he, he actually got sent to this horrible neighborhood actually did an arrest and brought him back and and then he's you know still being laughed at by everybody i don't know if that sells it sells everybody on it but it's that type of thing that happens in it that's really good mm-hmm. so idle hands has gotten oh like God. some traction recently i think i think wow. I, I think, hear a lot more people talking about idle hands than i think even when it came out i think so that's because yeah. no one saw it when it came out nobody saw it when it came out but this is a goofy ass funny horror comedy mm, um, early jessica alba well I, i'm getting there mm-hmm. so this has 16 percent on rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. uh i understand why because it every every step this movie takes is goofier and goofier and goofier it's about a possessed hand basically mm-hmm. um but man seth green devin sawa like it just it just makes it hilarious like i, I can totally watch this movie another stoner comedy mm-hmm. that i've never watched stoned yeah yeah but i still laugh at it it's a good like comedic horror take on it and man late 90s jessica alba was just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, stunning. And of course, you know, she ends up with Devin Sawa's character, who's this stone loser. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You yeah. know, what are you going to do? Right. Uh, but Vivica A. Fox is really funny in this. Like, there's there's just a lot to like in it. Don't set your expectations high, but uh, it is it is fun. I have heard a lot of people talk about Idle Hands. Not recently, but I, I know that a few years after it came out, there were a lot of people who would who'd say, ha, Idle Hands, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, and they'd start talking about it and everything. Um, uh, this is another movie that I have not seen, though. Oh, really? Oh, I, I remember the uh, uh, I remember the trailer for it, <laughs> and that's about it. I don't think Barrett is wrong that it's underrated if it's at 16%, mm-hmm. but 
I think you go much past 20 and it's going to get overrated. <laughs> I can't sit here on this podcast. It's in the 17 and, to 19 range. Unlike the previous two movies talked about that you had not seen yet, mm-hmm. I can't recommend you watch this movie, mm-hmm. which is probably going to make you watch it even more. I mean, I watch I watch all these movies eventually that you guys have talked about. Cause ba- it's just remember when Devin Sawa was going to be a thing? Yeah. There was a good I do. year there where he was going to be a thing. He was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the, I think there are stories was that it? he was coming to sets like drugged up and whatnot. I think he kind of went down a dark path. He started playing a lot of drugged out characters because yeah. he was also in SLC Punk, that movie that I talk about all the time mm-hmm. as a drugged out character. Was, it, was it, he in a movie called Wild Kingdom or something like that? Came out in the 90s. I Maybe. remember a big, huge banner with him on it and everything. And I was like, uh, the last up. huge thing I remember him being in was Eminem's Stan video. Well, oh. yeah, there was that, and the Final Destination, I think, is his biggest movie he's ever done. But yeah, Stan came right after that, mm-hmm. and that's where we get the uh, the colloquial Stan for mm-hmm. fan. Yep. Thanks, Eminem. <laughs> that I don't like at all. It's a great video, though. Yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. And uh, I love the little Dido touch in that song, too. I do, oh, too. Yeah. I remember that it was such a publicity stunt at uh, the Grammys or the VMAs or something like that. Uh, he did Stan, Eminem did, and they had Elton John come in uh, to sing the Dido part in response to Eminem being all, you know, anti-gay with all his lyrics and things like that. And there was this really odd manufactured moment where, like, at the end of the song, Elton gets up and, you know, grabs Eminem's hand and just kind of, like, parades around for everybody and feels like it's an important moment. And then he pans over to Eminem and he's just like, blank face (laughs) although i just read a story yesterday that when elton john got married to his partner eminem gave him two diamond encrusted cock rings Hmm. cock rings i think Hmm. they've gone on to be friends after this event (laughs) i think you have to be friends i don't know either that or it's just more misunderstanding of homosexuality on eminem's part you guys all wear cock rings right right Right? that's a thing (laughs) diamonds why not Mm -hmm. oh yeah Anyway, uh, I think they whatever their beef was 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 legit buried, and now they're kind of like buddies. The movie yeah. I was trying to think of was called Wild America. It oh had, yeah, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas in it. Oh yeah, yeah. The, that's based on a true story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, that was the first time I remember seeing his name because I was like, "There's a it's a guy named Devin," <laughs> and and because uh, I knew uh, I knew I mean I think I knew all girls were Devin at that time and then i was like how do you pronounce his name Devin saw 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 Devin saw what yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> um i'm gonna flip the script here because i just i didn't prep very well for this part so i'm gonna give you an overrated cult classic okay not an underrated one boondock saints yeah okay now that when this movie came out i don't even know if it had a theatrical release mm. but I, it very quickly got a cult following to where anytime anybody mentioned that, oh, you got to watch Boondock Saints, Boondock Saints, oh, you got to watch Boondock Saints. They've, they've even gone on to make a sequel that had such great cult following. And years after both movies, I finally found it on Showtime or something, and I was really underwhelmed. I was really underwhelmed. I agree. I can see flashes of what people might have glommed on to. It's a ludicrous movie. Yep. Because Willem Dafoe is chasing them. They're vigilantes. Unlike Batman, they straight up kill bad bad guys. Oh, yeah. Feel good about it. But by the end, Willem Dafoe's decided they're right. I'm going to help them. 
Well, that's literally what happens. This is uh, Boondock Saints is actually a, an interesting story, and I would like to see. I've never seen the movie called Overnight, which talks about his Troy Duffy, who directed this, his experience with the Weinstein brothers when he made this movie. Oh, um, from what I understand, this movie was much bigger at one point. Oh. and from what uh, the reason why Harvey Weinstein has the uh, the the nickname Harvey Scissorhands is because he would cut movies to death to get, you know, a certain length, I guess, that mm. he wanted or whatever. Um, I, I still need to see this movie overnight, though, that talks about this and everything. But Boondock Saints apparently was. Now, the other thing I think overnight talks about is that how, how much Troy Duffy thinks of himself. No, yeah. So <laughs> so there's a lot of the, uh, there's a lot of that uh, ego clash thing going on with Boondock Saints. I don't know how two people who wanted to make a completely different movie made this movie yeah. and then everybody else decided this was the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, it got such a cult following that it came out with a sequel. It's awful. That's the sequel is awful. Were you underwhelmed by the, the original? Yes. Yeah. I, th- it's just a movie that I don't understand why it's got such a... I guess it's shot to where it's very cool. The main character, Sean Patrick Flannery and... Uh, uh Reedus, Daryl. Yeah, Norman Reedus. Reedus is uh, they're very cool. Um but like I I just didn't get it. Like I was like you, it was like primed for this like really interesting action thriller and I got kind of like stock footage. I mean, I thought I was going to get another like experience like I had with Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels mm-hmm. where a, a cult had said you got to see this. It's mm-hmm. not like anything you've ever seen. And and it, this one was like a lot of things I'd seen. Yeah. <laughs> Adding to your overrated, it's got a 7.9. That's on, way too uh, fucking high. IMDb. Yeah, that's, 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 like, that's like classic territory. Yeah, that's, you're getting up into, you know, I bet you could find a lot of Spielberg classics that aren't rated that high. Man, this is, talk about this disparity, it's got a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, that is a disparity. So the, the critics hated it. Hated it, but the fans loved it too much. Yeah. Yeah, and I and overrated. I'll it. tell you what, man. I didn't even hear this movie uh, for the longest time. I didn't either. It was it was a couple years after it came out that people started bringing it up, and I was like, "The fuck are you talking about?" Boondock Saints. Okay, I did. It took me a few years to watch it, and then finally I saw it, and I was like, "Oh." Now there's part of it is is being told how great it is before you watch it. Sure. And I have seen it a couple of times and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Came out in 99, yeah. man. Yeah. Like, it's not so it's not it's not out. change your world fucking great though. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't ever I never understood that. And then yeah, that's like I said the sequel came out. Yeah. Fucking terrible. <laughs> um but that's a good one. Good overrated there. Um I think that may be one of the most overrated cult classics it might be <laughs> rocky horror picture well yeah i agree there i don't know if anybody admits that movie is good though oh i do i, I mean i don't think that but i think people do you think so oh people defend that movie to the death man i've never heard anybody just say that movie's great on its own mm. without the experience of going to like a midnight showing or anything like that uh, I'm sure there are people because there are people out there who watch the room unironically. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you know, I'm sure there are people out there who do it, but how many of that cult like the movie based on just, it's a great movie. Mm, I don't know. Don't think there's many. I hope not. I hope not too. <laughs> um, 
So a few uh, others on my list here, and we can go through Barrett's list at some point, but uh, on the best, I also put, I, 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 I probably wouldn't put this on best, but I wanted to mention it, Primer, mm-hmm. uh, which I, and, and some early podcast somewhere, I said I had not seen it. I've seen it since. It is one of those movies that, uh, you know, like Jeremy had said, you, you're not going to understand anything that happens in it. And I was like, yep, I sure don't. <laughs> After I watched it, I was like, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Uh, I had to go to Wikipedia, which has a big fucking diagram all oh, really? drawn out. Like oh, how I've every, seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how, what, how, what's every, what's happening and everything. One person walking well, out. Yeah. One, yeah, yeah. Shows the other people coming. Now, now once they're here, <laughs> these people are here and so on and so forth. I was like. Oh, <laughs> um, I put it in best because it seemed like a, a perfect movie to pair with pie. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a lot of peas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, a but, lot of alliteration from yeah. <laughs> what's his name? Yeah, yeah I, oh man, I wish I'd remember. Oh man, it's uh, like uh, it's I'm I'm it's not that, but it's like a lot of alliteration from nervous newscasters. And- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, Primer is one of those movies though that you I constantly heard about. Now you talk about some low rent, man. This looks like it was just shot on a VHS camera. It was super cheap, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it had yeah. to have been. It had to have cost like just a few thousand, a few thousand dollars or something like that. Uh, undeniably though very smart in what it's talking about but it's you have to it's very dense oh, yeah. as, as far as what it's talking about too so yeah i didn't quite understand it like i said i had to go to fucking wikipedia and understand that movie but uh i thought it was an interesting one um in the favorite i put rounders down of course mm-hmm. i'm a big poker guy but back when i watched this movie it was not a big poker guy uh, I, I kind of liked this movie on its own before I even got into poker. It does a very good use of narration, I think. Yeah, Because you need narration in that movie to set you up. If Because, especially in 1998, nobody knows what, what was going on mm-hmm. as far as the poker's going on. Um, more people obviously now do. But, you know, it, it sets it up to where it's, it's an easy explanation to see what the stakes are what's going on and that kind of thing mm-hmm. i agree it was a great movie before before i got into poker yeah too. first time i saw this movie in montreal that's another story for another time oh. but i saw this movie in montreal. montreal yes absolutely um but yeah I, I remember watching this movie and i did not understand any of the poker whatsoever mm-hmm. like when he says i flopped the nut straight i was like huh how did he win i don't get it you uh, have my money yeah. <laughs> um in under that's one of the worst accents ever right it is i mean you. what the fuck it's is as, he trying it's, to do it's there? beyond cartoon yeah it's like boris <laughs> and natasha yeah <laughs> yeah it may be even more than that though <laughs> it, it's it's what Pay you would, this man he's yeah man. it's what you would hear yeah you would hear this and yeah i mean it's yeah, it's w- way off the charts Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M 
Noom.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Uh, in Underseen, I don't think this was on your list, but uh, UHF definitely has oh, a big, nice. huge cult, uh, cult following now. Um, the movie is silly and dumb as hell, uh, but Weird Al Yankovic, I think, I think Weird Al Yankovic has gotten sort of a a legendary status over the past few years. Yes, uh, that I don't think he quite had up until like the past five to ten years or so. It seemed like people really liked his stuff, but they didn't. They now he's at that upper like you know you can't touch him uh, type of thing. But UHF is super silly. Mm-hmm. uh and super dumb in a, on a on a lot of uh, levels but uh i enjoy it every time i watch it so uh it's a movie that i would highly recommend another one in my underrated that i don't know is quite got a cult but the quick and the dead oh, yeah. um i know that a lot of people probably found sam sam Raimi over the years and uh maybe they maybe they've run across this at one point but i remember banging my head against the wall trying to get people to watch this movie <laughs> uh the problem is Sharon Stone. Um, it had a lot of trouble getting people to watch this movie because Sharon Stone was in it. And, and that's, that's too bad because Sharon Stone doesn't make or break this movie, even though she's the main character. But, um, you know, I mean, Sharon Stone is, is perfectly serviceable in this movie and doesn't, doesn't detract at all. And you, you know, doesn't take away from Gene Hackman, the Leonardo DiCaprio, the Russell Crowe, mm-hmm. the, the, just the balls out Raimi that we're familiar with at this point, uh, doing a, doing a Western about, you know, duels and everything like that, uh, in the way that he can. And it's, uh, it's a movie that I always try to recommend. Um, but uh, what else is on your list that you wanted to bring up? Any, any? I will throw out Alpha Dog. Oh yeah. yeah, because when I'm with real movie nerds like you guys, I always get those responses. Oh yeah, <laughs> Alpha Dog. Yeah, that's great. And even on the movie subreddit, when Anton Yelchin died and everybody was you know talking about him and mourning him, there was clearly a lot of love for Alpha Dog. But general movie going person. I bet they don't even know this movie exists, Mm -hmm. um, let alone have seen it. Uh, And it's chock full of people you know. Like, my God, the cast. I don't even know how they shot this movie with this many famous people in it. Well, they weren't famous. Well, Timberlake was. Yeah, Timberlake was, but I'm sure they weren't paying him. You're probably right. Timberlake was one of his first movie roles, though, wasn't it? I think it was. um, And he's good in it, uh, but... There's a lot of great people in this movie. Mm, like, uh, yeah, my, Amanda Seyfried, before she was anything, Olivia Wilde was somewhat famous for uh, OC at the time. Oh, yeah. Neil um, Hirsch had just started. Yeah, Neil Hirsch his, uh, had just done The Girl Next Door, and yeah. that was like his biggest movie <laughs> yeah, at that, that point, yeah. I think. Um, uh, ben Foster definitely wasn't uh, yep. a big deal at that point. Uh, now, now, and then they put, like, big stars like in smaller roles like bruce willis and sharon stone and yeah um all them but um but yeah nobody in that was like huge that movie is 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 interesting i think it went through litigation because the actual trial was going on the actual events this movie was based on the actual trial was going on at the time and i think some information was passed to the filmmakers that they they took for it took a while for this movie to even see the light of day wow um and i think people are finally finding it though it's finally it's showing up on cable quite a bit now yeah 
uh, and uh, a lot of people are finding that. It's really good. Yeah, it is. It's a good movie. Yeah. I also wanted to just at least talk about and give a hat tip to the first Austin Powers movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, which yeah. did nothing. Nope. Um, and found its life on home video. Yep. VHS, basically, because this is even pre-DVDs. Um, became such a huge hit. Not only did they make a sequel, but that sequel did gangbusters box office. Yeah, I remember did. working at Hollywood when that thing opened, and I w- it was probably won the weekend in box office. The weekend, yeah, it it, uh, it came out the same. It was in the same month as Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. Now, right. Phantom Menace may have still been number one. I'm not sure how how that played out that weekend, uh, but the Spy Who Shagged Me definitely made tons of money. I I that. That 1999, I will never, ever forget how many times I started movies and the Austin Powers trailer would start it off. Because I put the girl and swinger, baby, yeah. and all that. <laughs> um, and yeah, and it, the, the first one made $53 million, yeah. which is a middling hit and everything. Uh, this one made 200 something million. Yeah. Uh, and it? I remember walking in. And audiences, not only were they sold out shows, but they were eating it up. Yes, man. they that were. It was basically an hour and a half of pure laughter well, every time a, you walked into the, that. That opening is is the one that's chock full of all the, the stars, right? Like Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. And, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, it's enjoyable. I'm, not, I'm just saying it's one of the only instances I can think of where something found a cult audience and then the cult grew so big, it became an actual best selling franchise. That's a good point, and I think this happens a lot with Mike Myers movies, because I was thinking about So I Married an Axe Murderer, yeah. Uh, which yeah. definitely has cult status at this point, but I don't remember it being a, an enormous hit when it came I out. I think what happened is he's not the kind of leading man audiences are like, oh, I gravitate towards that guy. Right. He's a very quirky guy, and so a movie, movie, live-action movie with him as the lead is going to be a blip until mm. you know people find it and realize how much funny there actually is. Yeah, Zoe Marion and Axmer is a great one. It was uh, it was Gold Member that had all the um, stars at the beginning. Oh, okay. oh okay. Cruz and Paltrow and Kevin Spacey. Well, that movie was pretty huge too, though. No, that made another two hundred million dollars. Yeah. Um, they'll probably make another one now because he, everything else he's tried has not been good. Well, <laughs> there, there was talk about him doing that uh, a year or so ago. He was writing one, and I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where that went. I mean, there's a lot of things. Like I, I heard about Stallone doing that when Rocky Bal before Rocky Balboa came out. He must have been writing that thing. I think he called it a puncher's chance for years before it finally got made, mm. uh, and uh, actually turned out better than I thought it mm-hmm. would too. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Comedies are hard to make huge trilogies and series out yep. of. I mean, Goldmember has its moments yeah but it's bad yeah. well, it's clearly the inferior one of the three yeah yeah, yeah. uh but, but I, I guess after saying... i guess after the new like daniel craig bonds and everything have come through since yeah you know you might have more material to deal with at yeah. this point so he's gonna be bond one more time by the way oh yeah yeah nice and um, right. they're gonna call it shatterhand shatterhand huh? seriously yeah, and it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna borrow elements from a previous Bond movie where Blofeld used the name Shatterhand as like a fake name, and mm. Christoph Waltz is gonna be back in this mm. movie. You know? awesome. Tell you what, I've seen all the Bond movies. I don't remember the Shatterhand, but well, you know they're probably digging pretty deep at this. I'm point. sure they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying the report is wrong. I'm just saying that uh, Bond movies kind of run together after <laughs> yes, a while. Yes, they do. Oh, yeah. You oh, yeah. sort of like, you know. 
people ask me what's the best bond movie and i'll be like oh jesus <laughs> christ man um casino live and let yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, you start you start you start by saying the bad ones first you <laughs> yeah. know like it's definitely Don't not watch this definitely not the man with the golden gun yeah. and it's uh not uh, live and let die octopussy and, yeah <laughs> um but you have a lot of interesting ones on this list here. You have Ghost World, which I I, yeah, yeah. I love. Terry's um, Wagoff, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, Pitch Black, which I think is a is a really good one. Um, Kicking and Screaming, we've talked about mm-hmm. before. Not the Will Ferrell one. We have to, we always have to couch that. Um, <laughs> it sullied the good name of Kicking and Screaming. Yeah, it did. Uh, I know that uh, Jeremy's brought up Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy, a bunch. Yeah. Um, the Limey. Yeah. Limey's a great one, because, yeah. for underseen at least. Because mm-hmm. again, everybody I know who's seen it loved it, but they are all super film nerds. Well, yeah. and 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 this movie Logan Lucky that's coming out, uh, yeah. uh, it's going to be like that. I think it's it's going to be a movie that nobody sees, and then it's it's going to be actually just so great. I think it's going to be the movie's going to be. It's great. also pretty fascinating. I was reading yesterday. Soderbergh hates the studios. I'd like he spent a year trying to get the the. Uh, theaters to show Logan Lucky without studio distribution. Hmm. Uh, and he ultimately didn't get there. He got like halfway there, I guess. Um, so some of it's going to, some theaters are going to play it without studio involvement or what have you. Huh. But he's on a mission. The article plainly states he's on a mission to kill the studios. Interesting. Huh. I don't know if he'll succeed, but I don't know. If anybody can. Well, yeah. Well, and, and Soderbergh, I mean, he, he, I knew this was. He said he was going to retire. I yeah, knew that yeah. wasn't going to happen. Jay Z retirement. Yeah, because that uh, behind the uh, candelabra was supposed to be his last movie, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I, when you're somebody like Soderbergh, you know, you're like, you get you get a year off or something. You're like, oh, man, I got so many ideas yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything. You can't retire until you're just you know you're done. You mm, can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. Um. Another interesting one you had on here was Empire Records. Yeah, <laughs> I have I've seen this movie a million times. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's it's 90s as fuck. It is oh. 90s as fuck. But it's man, at a record store. Oh my! One God. of my all time like crushes, Liv Tyler, in that movie. In that Liv movie. Tyler, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just it, I. You know, you watch it for her, but then like, oh, this is actually an interesting kind of like you know. You know, watch Empire Records and High Fidelity back to back. Yeah, man, it's a good to get record oh, store Nirvana going that's right. through that. Yeah, uh, if there's any anything else? Well, one thing that that I think is still a cult classic that probably very few people have seen is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I got this when I was in high school, around like '97 or something like that, on VHS. Like my sister's boyfriend or something brought it over, and it's like you need to watch this. And at the time, I had actually read a couple of Tom Stoppard plays and saw this has incredible turns from Gary Oldman and Tim Roth as these two minor characters in Hamlet. And it just blew my mind. Mm -hmm. The very idea at the time of retelling the Hamlet story from the perspective of these two minor characters who are hardly in Hamlet at all. Mm Mm-hmm. And seeing glimpses of the Hamlet story go by in the background, it's almost Nolan-esque in the way they decided to play with time and the events as you are familiar with them. Uh, but it's quirky as shit. Yeah. And if you don't have Gary Oldman and Tim Roth in these roles, I don't know if it works as well. I agree. Um, but yeah, again, everybody I've ever shown this to loves it. This is another one of these movies where Josh and I had already fallen in love with Gary Oldman and Tim Roth from like Reservoir Dogs. And so we go into the video store looking for any Tim Roth and Gary Oldman movies we haven't seen. Okay. If you 
Yeah, you're going to love it. I can mm-hmm. wholeheartedly endorse mm. this movie. I don't think you could hate it. That's going to do it for the movie club uh, today. Um, we, I'm sure that we'll have more uh, stuff about cult classics at some <laughs> yeah, point. Got- there's a billion more to talk about, but... Um, yeah, that's a, some interesting ones. Give give those movies that didn't get a chance a chance every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to be talking about Nature Box yeah. once again. Because we love it. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Jeremy. Yes. Is there anything new that you've been eating? Well, not that I've been eating uh, because our last box, <laughs> I probably had 20 snacks in it oh yeah sounds like ridiculous yeah nice um but i wanted to talk about how much fun i'm having when people post their pictures on Mm. twitter and Mm -hmm. tell me specifically like somebody i think just two days ago posted a picture of the sourdough cheddar pretzels and they were like you're right these are amazing (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was like yes all right camaraderie we're not blowing smoke no because I think if we hated Nature Box and we spent three minutes of this podcast talking about how great they were, you'd be able to tell. No, and, and you can move around a lot within their offerings. Like, you can get all kinds of sweet stuff. You can get your nuts. You can get, um, you know, salty stuff. Like, I tore into some pork rinds, mm-hmm. <laughs> the last one. They were the uh, small batch pineapple ancho chili pork rinds. Oh, wow. Blow your mind. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, man. They were really good. I oh. see like, a lot of people that like the spicy stuff. Oh, yeah. And they have a lot, they have a wide selection. I'm not a spicy snack person, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of it. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, y- y- they have a sort of zone for everybody, right? right? It's just, uh, that's the thing. You're yep. not going there and there's like five snacks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> which one do I pick yeah. out of the five? There's like a million. Yeah, you know? man. You know, but, uh, you know, I'm and I'm always partial to the sweet stuff. That's my mm-hmm. that's my Achilles heel when it comes to nature <laughs> boxes. Uh, you know, because they had the, those key lime cookies the last yeah. time they brought us a thing, and the and those little pineapple slices are just oh my god. The pineapple well. slices are good for you, right? Mm-hmm. It's fruit. It's dried fruit, but it tastes like candy. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's sugar in fruit naturally. Well, sure, but it it's it's mighty tasty. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Uh, my wife has gone through like thirty bags of that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I also really like the emails they send me. It's like one of the few companies I do business with as a consumer whose emails don't annoy me. Yeah, uh, because they are always telling me something helpful. Here's a new snack. Here's a these six snacks we're running low on, so get them before they're gone. That, that kind of that's what I got today. Actually, yeah, me too. That. And uh, I find it really helpful. I, I actually got one that said, like, you have this much money in your account left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got $36 in snacks on yeah. the table. Yeah. I was like, shit, I got to get some snacks. You got a $36 slush fund for. <laughs> because yeah. that's what, that's what I mean. You kind of like buy into it and you have your subscription. And you can, that's your credit that you, that you can draw from. It's, oh, it's awesome. Man, you know, another effect I've noticed, at least in terms of improving my health, and this may be small, but I think it adds up. Is that when I have ordered a nature box and I know it's coming, and I'm in, the, I go to the grocery almost every day. I realize I live like a 19 year old bachelor, but <laughs> I go to the grocery and get everything I'm going to eat that day or make at home or mm-hmm. what have you. And, I, you know, you always pass the potato chips and, you know, nacho chips and all the stuff that's not really very healthy for you at all. And, if I know I have a nature box coming in the next couple of days, I won't buy a bag. Right past it. Because yep. I'll be like, what's the point? I'll mm-hmm. eat that for one day and then I'm going to switch over. Not only does nature box taste better, but it's better for me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it has reduced the number of times I buy a bag of potato chips. Yeah. By a lot. And right to your door, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, it. all right. So where are we sending people these days? If you go to naturebox.com slash syncast, mm-hmm. here's what they're going to do. They're going to give you your first three snacks free. Wow. 
first three snacks are free. Man, man, I would I on. would make those sourdough cheddar pretzels, mm-hmm. sourdough cheddar pretzels, <laughs> and sourdough cheddar mm-hmm. pretzels. You can't go wrong with any of those. <laughs> that is crap. <laughs> <laughs> of those choices you're gonna be fine <laughs> um but yeah uh absolutely go there get you some get you some snacks almost everyone that i've ever eaten has been good yep three free snacks with your first order uh use the promo code sins yeah get you some i saw i kind of said it like it there's a z at the end but there's not a z at the end no, it's, it's not sins it's, it's your normal it's s-i-n it's not like two chains no, it's not like two yeah. chains. Yeah, that's right. It's not like two chains. <laughs> that was the first one that popped into my mind. <laughs> yeah, just plain old sense. That's right. <laughs> sense. That's right. Should we move on to questions? We should move on to questions. Oh, we got a boatload of questions. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I'm listening. All right, we'll start here. Uh, Shalom. Shalom. Right. Mm-hmm. Shalom. Uh, when a movie is released now, there's instantly thousands of places to go and watch a video review and have a discussion about the movie, mm. uh, which is nice. Uh, your subreddits and things like that, mm-hmm. it, is, it is great. Uh, before you can only talk with your limited group of friends and only if they had seen it as well, what movie do you wish you would have had the ability to discuss with a larger community immediately after coming home from the theaters? Uh, this person's pick is uh, Iron Giant. Saw it when he was six in an empty movie theater with his mom, mm-hmm. and nobody else saw it, so he had to talk. That's to really his mom. the only <laughs> way you could watch it when you were in a theater yeah. was an empty theater. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? Oh well, the first thing that popped in my mind was The Matrix. I saw that with Josh, and we talked about it plenty. But I, I wanted a roundtable discussion right there in the hallway outside the <laughs> auditorium. I mean, that movie just it blew my mind on so many different levels. The effects, that high, high concept, um, and it just—it's the kind of movie that lends itself super well to discussion. And I would even say the same for Reloaded, because when I walked out of Reloaded the first time, I didn't realize how bad it was. Right. And <laughs> you needed somebody to I ground was, you. <laughs> well, no, I, had, I, had still, I was still loving it. And I had all these theories, because the, the second one ends in such dramatic fashion with right. him in the real world stopping the Sentinels, which you didn't think he could do. And what does that mean? What? 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 I just immediately came out wanting. Now, of course, in that instance, I was managing a theater, so I had fifty employees and a couple managers and a bunch of my friends, and so we were all discussing it right there in the lobby for like an hour. When but, you first saw Reloaded, did you get that it was Smith um, in the real world? Yeah, that it was. It was Hugo Weaving in the world. Yeah. Real world. Because there was. A, I, I went with a couple of people, and I I said that I was like, no, that's Smith, and they're like, no, I guess because he had a goatee. Yeah. Like, no, well, yeah. they had the was it? It's the one guy who can't get back, right? And mm-hmm. he, he just steals that guy's body essentially. Yeah. when he gets back, it's a pretty quick scene though. When mm. Smith picks up the phone and gets sucked into it, so I could see how people might have missed it, especially mm. on that first time through. Mm. Um, another one, I don't know if I'm stealing anybody's answer. Inception. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. A lot of Nolan movies fit this description because he likes to make you think and likes to get deep, but Inception was just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh, so those were my immediate answers yeah inception was definitely one of those movies that afterwards i was like i've got to talk about this with everybody yeah. there's so many things about it <laughs> i want to un- chris is just walking around the lobby well, i want to talk to somebody yeah. about well this no movie. it's even worse because i watched that movie i guess by myself uh because it was you know one of those you watch it midnight when you're working at a movie theater or whatever so it was nobody to talk to. It's two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. um, just the just the you know cleaning crew coming in. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> Listen, guys, have you seen yeah. this? <laughs> I know you haven't, but I need to talk to talk about it. 
Um, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna go with Donnie Darko on this one. Oh, that's hey, an talk about a call. cult. Yeah, absolutely. Donnie Darko could definitely fit under that cult thing. Um, the uh, I saw this movie at uh, the Belcourt, and um, I remember uh, it's just one of those movies that it, you know when it when anything involves time travel, and uh, and it, and it goes in this sort of loop structure. Yeah it always raises so many questions yeah and of course donnie darko uh is one of those famous i don't understand what happened movies Mm -hmm. you know because it it loops back and everything um uh i feel like i understand this movie these days i don't know if i did when i first watched it uh i think it still sort of contradicts itself a little bit but uh where does it go at it so so he had to complete the time loop for it to actually be reality right? yeah what what is missing from donnie darko is what jake gyllenhaal actually does in the movie to make this loop complete right because yeah, yeah. because we know that he must have done it but we don't know how he did it the only thing we know is that he, you know he got information from the old lady who always goes out to her mailbox and almost gets run over by the cars she wrote a book Maybe there's something in the book. They never really explain it, that type of thing. Um, but it is one of those movies, though. Once you, I mean, the, but he has to die to to close the loop, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole. Well, closing the loop means he is going to die, right? Because instead of being instead of being out of his room when the airplane engine falls, he's in the room right. when the airplane engine falls. Uh, and I know that he makes a decision. He goes, man, this the world is a, a worse place because I've made these decisions and so on and so forth. So I'm going to make a decision to reverse all of that because, you know, his girlfriend's dead. He's got, you know, all this stuff that's happened. Uh, he's, he's Although he did expose Patrick Swayze's like uh, pedophilia. He though, did. Right? He did. So that doesn't happen yeah. after the loop closes, right? right? But aren't we, be- aren't we better not, not knowing... knowing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> eight-year-olds yeah eight-year-olds dude um but uh but yeah they, you're right uh, uh i'm sure that's part of the decision mm-hmm. you know, that it, now you know i maybe mean, you just wrote a note and say right yeah by the way <laughs> this dude is a fine asshole of course then, then the very act of writing the note is gonna be gone too uh but uh uh, but yeah, Donnie Darko is just one of those movies you walk at the first time you ever watch Donnie Darko, you, you're like, what the fuck happened? Exactly. Exactly. But, uh, you know, I, I do love how that movie shot and the music in it. Like a lot of things done on the cheap in this and they, and, um, uh, you know, the, I've, I've listened to the commentary on it and everything too. And, um, and you're talking about how the special effects in that movie, which are really good. Yeah, they are. Uh, he's like, he's like, we just, I mean, there was this guy, we just got him and he, <laughs> he did it and it was amazing. And it was like way more than we expected from it. Um, but it's just well shot. And, and, uh, and you know, this is early Jake Gyllenhaal, you don't, you know, it's before he's a real big star and everything. And, uh, uh, it's just a really good movie. A lot of great people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but <laughs> random it, drew Barrymore, but yeah, random drew Barrymore, but it's, uh, it's just one of those movies that by the end of it, you're like, you want to talk about all that time loop stuff and the contradictions and everything. And like, can we come up with a consensus about what happened in this thing? Yeah. Um, it, we'll never know because we don't know exactly what Jake Gyllenhaal does, but you know, we know that he somehow triggers all of it, but mm. you still have to kind of like, you still want to talk about it with people afterwards. Yeah. 
I got one that I don't think I'll ever be able to talk about uh, with anyone seriously. It's the Wicker Man. Uh, the old, uh, the old one, the 1973 Wicker oh. Man. That's why I can't talk <laughs> because of that reaction. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is because anytime that you bring this movie up, you're immediately associating with, with not the bees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah, know yeah. the uh, the crazy unhinged Nick Cage version of my this. leg. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I can't even talk about this on the fucking podcast. Oh, man. No, no. The original one mm-hmm. is so goddamn creepy. Uh, I watched this, you know, many years ago and just found it on demand or something like that and decided to watch it. And it was instantly brought into it. It's sparsely shot. You know, it, it looks like a 70s movie, but it's it takes place only on this island mm-hmm. um, that's completely cut off from civilization. And you've got these weird people. It's it's like the the setup of Hot Fuzz, basically. This island in the UK that's so remote, but all the inhabitants know each other, and they have their own like parlance. Isn't basically. that what Hot Fuzz is sort of uh, based off of? It could be it's sort of taken off of. Is yeah. that uh, that early Wicker Wicker Man? What's really crazy is that he's out there uh, trying to find this missing girl, and it starts out and proceeds for maybe the next half of the movie is like this mystery and then it just starts getting weird and then gets progressively weirder as it goes along to where the ending of it is just absolutely insane and now it's become such a parody of itself because of the the remake Mm. that it's hard to like get across the creep factor of him burning alive in that in that big structure Mm -hmm. while these pagans are dancing around just like saying oh it's the big celebration day. It's horrifying. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And you've got a great performance from uh, Christopher Lee and like the, the main police guy is fantastic, I, but it's hard to talk about it. Well, I'm going to take that. A lot of the really, really stupid shit that's in that remake is nowhere nearly original. Well, there's no, there's no woman punching. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> this one. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. That's just the weirdest Oh gif god, i've ever seen just, oh god that was a slog but yeah i mean there's so many things like the thing about the remake of the wicker man that's just that it's all the way throughout it is like he hears any noise and he's like is that her <laughs> like yeah. any noise yeah <laughs> and he starts running out you know and it's just like dude you and he's not even what's what kills me about that movie is he's He's a traffic cop and he gets hurt and then suddenly he's a detective. <laughs> he goes off to the island and he's like flashing a badge. <laughs> this is such evidence that I'll never be able to talk. I know. Oh, but you know man. what? I want to see this original Wicker Man. I do. Oh, it's really, really good. It's very creepy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think anybody saw it before the remake came out. Now that's you know all people associate with it but it's, yeah it's very entertaining very creepy yeah no i will give it a chance the other thing that i was going to mention that's a, a cheesy answer is i got okay computer radiohead's okay computer oh, yeah. in the uk before it came out in the u.s and as soon as i listened to that album i wanted to talk to everybody oh yeah and nobody had heard it I well like, i had heard, i had heard the uh what was the paranoid android yeah, i heard par- paranoid android on uh, on the radio mm-hmm. like before the album came out and it was one of those rock over London things that was playing. I was going back to uh, I was going back to Murfreesboro where I was going to MTSU and everything. And I remember, you know, I mean, I I had heard, you know, I was 
pretty well into Radiohead, I guess. The the Benz mm-hmm. was a was a big album for me and everything, but uh, I wasn't really expecting that song and yep. everything. Yep. And I was listening to it on the way back and everything, and I was like, "Holy shit, man! <laughs> this is some something completely different. My whole life has changed because I, of this song." I, honestly, yeah, that that that's one of the seminal move music moments in my life is hearing Paranoid Android for the first time, especially that dun 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 Yeah. And then the doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the dun 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 Well and then after the song was done, the 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 guy, the DJ was like, he's like he's like, Do you hear that? You hear the musicianship that's in that song? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, this song is awesome. Blah blah blah. Uh-huh. So yeah, I know what you're saying. I know man, what you're saying. Man. Next question. What movie villains would you like to see go up against each other? This person's pick would be Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men, trying to take down Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Mm. Now, both of those villains we've talked about a lot. Yes, we have. Uh, so what do you guys think? Well, Chigurh wins that easy. Yeah. Yeah, he does, right? He's insane. Like, Hans well, Gruber is sane. I just don't, He's so unhinged. I just Plus, No Country for Old Men basically makes him Superman. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. Like the, mm. No one could kill this guy. Look at, he's coming after you. You're already dead. Look at that <laughs> fucking bone. All he's got to do is get in that building or even catch Hans before that. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. accidentally pull up beside Hans's car on the freeway when Hans is looking for a yeah. jump. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting question because, uh, you know, much like how Freddy versus Jason is a movie that didn't work, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of the times you you try to figure out why would these villains have any interests that overlap to the point that they have to go after each other and right everything. so you think of all these different villains you're like i don't know what would i don't know what would the joker have to do with uh blofeld or you know like <laughs> yeah. like you know maybe the joker wants to you know uh, uh cause chaos in that realm or whatever um i thought you had an interesting one yeah so mine is taking specific villains from specific universes so uh little zay from city of god who is one of the most terrifying villains i think i've ever seen uh because he he will just kill anyone anywhere uh and it's hard to tell what his motivations are like he basically just wants it's all respect power and respect and devalues anything else because at the very beginning when he's a kid it, it it just shows like how he's looked down upon and right. like you know you're not you're not nearly good enough to do this and you don't deserve the spoils you don't like all that and it just really gets hammered in his head early on yeah but he doesn't it doesn't seem like he wants to make it out of the slums he doesn't really want anything he doesn't want to improve it he basically just wants exactly that like power mm-hmm. in in that specific area and respect mm-hmm. so anyway but i'd like to see him go up against bill the butcher from gangs of new york yeah 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 Ooh. and if you set this in a turf war i think they'd both be perfect yeah they'd be perfect foils for each other obviously weaponry would be a little bit different but they had guns in gangs of new york uh but seeing like both of them are just power hungry like machiavellian do anything to get your way and to see them go in a turf war in somewhere in between new york and and uh brazil like something like miami and struggle for the turf and, and the people in your gangs and things like that. I think that'd be fun. Oh, yeah. The reason why I think yours, this lends itself to this question is because that's something that actual real life villains would mm-hmm. be doing, would be fighting over turf and stuff like that. That's something that, 
definitely like yeah you start thinking about all the other villains and everything now i did come up with one i don't know how this would work either because you're gonna you're gonna be you're talking about some serious uh time travel inception type of bullshit going on here but uh i i was sitting there thinking what if skynet had uh, a, a war with the machines in the matrix <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful uh, yeah uh because the very basis on see yeah the what the very basis of skynet would be in a world like the matrix would the matrix be in in control of skynet or would skynet be a second group of computers that is trying to take over the world they have op they have opposing um they have opposing motivations too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Skynet wants to end humanity. These machines need humanity. So to be killing them and everything is against what they would want in a, in a society. So you would have Skynet going up against the machines of the matrix in this, like, you know, it's almost, it would, and then you could throw in like time travel and all mm-hmm. the other stuff. They don't want to get too complex, but, how are the Skynet uh, cyborgs powered? Is that ever explained? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's just always just some new technology that they invent. Because basically it's the source of uh, like nutrition that would be at the, the central conflict to that, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the, re- that's the only reason that they, the machines in the Matrix need the humans to survive is to give them fuel, right? Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. Even though in real life there's not enough actual electricity in the human body for that to be plausible right yeah i don't know what actually runs the terminators okay. and all right like that. i mean i'm assuming it's some amazing fucking battery of some sort <laughs> you know that lasts lithium forever ion. Like the yeah, ones that are in hoverboards ion. yeah yeah lithium ion yeah or or it's uh or solar by this point i don't know <laughs> yeah, that true. would be, that would be they a conflict the that would be a conflict too yep the, the fact that they need sun or whatever mm-hmm. but but I was sitting there thinking that, you know, if you were able to somehow find a way to have Skynet and the machines in the Matrix coexist in a world, their uh, motives conflict with each other enough that they would fight each other. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And and you, you would have moments where the Terminators are trying to kill humans and then the machines have to come in. And how do they do it without fucking up the human's world so that they don't know that they're in a simulation and all this? Imagine like a Terminator going up against a Sentinel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be fucking awesome. You know, or, or just, or just the Schwarzenegger T eight hundred going up against a, an Agent Smith or whatever. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, that would be. Oh, awesome. would they have to go into the Matrix to actually fight them? Like that? I mean, that's what I'm saying. You, know, you would ha- open up all those yeah. worlds. So you would you'd have a battle in the Matrix. You'd have a battle in the real world. You'd have a time travel element. Yeah, and you I would, like that. Answer. And you would want to. Obviously, you'd want to make this to where it's not fucking confusing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. It, it, I can already see, like, if somebody wanted to write this screenplay, they were just like, I have so many ideas. <laughs> um, and they'd want to put them all in that one movie, and we'd be sitting there going, what? Damn, why'd they go back in time? Why'd they go to the 40s again? I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, that's, that's what I thought. Like, you need to have villains that have a have a they have opposing motivations in some sort you can come up with any random villain obviously uh and then and put him again Uh, first thing i thought of that was easy was john doe and hannibal lecter right but what what exactly do they have like that would that john doe would want to kill hannibal lecter and vice versa what exactly is there in that 
situation that they would be getting up in their each other's business <laughs> and everything <laughs> yeah uh, i can't really think of anything unless john doe suddenly has a uh, has a uh, something uh, against murder somehow mm, yeah. <laughs> you know and he decides that his murder, kind of his, his murders are righteous and that hannibal's are not that's the only thing that i can think that of that kill yeah. was righteous <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed such a classic moment in cinema <laughs> uh anyway well i have a an over tendency to try and think outside the box sometimes and so the first thing i thought of we might even have to cut um but it was like the meteor from deep impact versus the cancer from fault in our stars <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> i don't know why i thought that was so funny I feel bad even while I'm laughing. I really do. Oh, man. Obviously, <laughs> you can't take that seriously. <laughs> um, then I thought of Parallax, the universe, the world gobbling villain from Fantastic Four versus that Dormammu thing at the end of Doctor Strange. Yeah, 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 yeah. Planet eating entity. Those two, who's going to win? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, either way, we all lose. Yeah. <laughs> um, all you have to do is annoy Dormammu for a while. I, then I came up with something I think is kind of interesting. Um have you seen a movie or heard of a movie called Pretty Persuasion? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. It stars Evan mm. Rachel Wood. Ron Livingston's in it. Um, James Woods is in it. Uh, and it, it, it dances around time, but basically these three girls uh, hate this teacher, Ron Livingston, because he belittled them in drama club or something. Uh, so they decide to make up stories that he touched them and said inappropriate things and basically try and get him fired. And we see some of the trial and we dance back to some of their planning stages. And basically by the end of the movie, Evan Rachel Wood has been manipulating everyone the entire time and got exactly what she wanted at the end. But she sleeps with a news reporter who's a female. Uh, she sleeps with any guy she needs to, to get where she's going. It's, it's one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, man, there's a, there's something here. Mm-hmm. They didn't hit. This is not a home run, but they had something going. I want to put her up against um, the teacher from Election, Matthew oh, Broderick. Oh, yeah. And make no mistake, he is the villain of that movie. And I just, I, because we've already seen him square off against a girl he saw as an enemy, even though she was just an overachiever, what would happen if he was going up an act against an actual evil student <laughs> who was trying to get him fired? Um, how far do we how far do we go then? Interesting, because he goes pretty far in this movie yeah. in election. Yeah, I would. You know, it's interesting that you say that about him in election. I agree, he's a villain. He's he's probably the primary villain. But I don't know if there's anybody really other than the Chris Klein character that comes off good in right. that right in that whole movie. I uh, mean, Reese they, Witherspoon's character Tracy Flick is uh, obviously uh, she's got you know she's she's done things in that movie that she shouldn't have gotten away with and everything the only thing was tearing down the posters though right tearing down the posters and then and you know i mean obviously this i mean it's not her fault with the whole affair with the teacher and everything but if that got out you know that's something something well and she does threaten matthew broderick too because matthew broderick is like maybe if someone had hadn't seduced their teacher or such and such and such and she's like maybe if someone didn't have a low sperm count blah 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 yeah. like she's yeah, basically yeah. threatening to tattle his business too yeah. yeah and um you know i i he's he's going he's going to do the right thing all the way up until the point that 
she he sees her outside yeah. jumping up and down yeah. <laughs> and it makes him snap yeah he's he's the he's going to do the right thing he's about he's about to announce yeah. that she's the winner and then he sees her outside well, jumping and, up uh, and down. film even frames right on yeah, her face yeah. just to give you that moment he's yeah. having um I, god i could talk about election all day <laughs> there's so many things about that movie that I, I there's so many little aspects of that movie that i want to talk about i love about, when but. he comes home after getting stood up by the girl he was going to have an affair with and he walks in the house and she's on the couch with his wife yeah and after a beat he just goes Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he turns around and yeah. leaves. Oh god. Yeah. It's painful. Uh but yeah, that would be interesting to have him uh sort of, you know, he have uh another movie with him playing like this time a real primary like a like actual like stated in the movie yeah. villain. All right. If you had a fight this is a classic question. Classic throw, throw in some classic Desert questions. Island twist. Play the hits, you yeah. know? Uh if you had a fire what is the one Blu-ray or DVD you would grab from your collection to save? This person would save his Dark Knight Trilogy box set. That's a now, good one. I'm going to answer this question in the spirit of the question. But I I would save so many things before my Blu-rays, it's not even funny. Yeah. Because most of all, I have digital copies of all of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can always buy a Blu-ray again for seven bucks on Amazon. And I've got four cats and a wife and you know heirlooms <laughs> and art that I care about. But... Let's just say we have to save one Blu-ray, and I went straight to the Matrix box set that has also the Animatrix movies in there. Oh, yeah. And I've got one little slim box. It's got all three movies, an Animatrix, and that's, that, that, there's no question in my mind. Sorry, Batman. You're going to burn. Mm. <laughs> you're going to burn. Mm-hmm. I've also got a Godfather box set oh. uh, that has the Godfather saga in it. Yeah. And so I'd have to grab that. Yeah. Because, you know, if, you, if you're going to be, like, sitting around in a hotel room while you know, your shit gets reconstructed. Mm-hmm. You need you got some time to spare. And uh, so maybe you could you could watch through the uh, at least the first two Godfathers. Yeah, yeah, song. yeah. And and yeah, and you'd get bored and you'd watch three. No, I mean, even though you don't like it, you just hate watch it. On I would the, probably, on the island. Yeah, yeah, I've done that before. Not yeah, on, yeah. Well, just to complete the trilogy, man. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a movie that we've talked about a lot today. Big Lebowski. I'm gonna put that in there. Oh yeah, just oh. because it's it. It, it has so many elements it's 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 funny it's got a nice mystery it's got a lot of things to think about it's just uh you know i think it's just the perfect movie to have on a deserted island if you're um you know you just have to watch the same one over and over and you'll always find new stuff in it and all that uh this is a bit of a sad one but we're gonna do our part to to cheer it up here um today i learned that my dog and his best friend uh died um just turned 19 it's the first loss he's had to deal with and it wrecked me emotionally always use movies to escape this fucked up world and now i need an escape more than ever so the question is what is your favorite feel-good movie and or tearjerker god bless you hope everything gets better time helps our condolences what do you guys think well now i feel bad because I, I wrote in my notes, I feel like this guy needs hope more than he needs a tearjerker. So I wrote down Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I think certain individuals after a pet dies would have a hard time watching a movie with pets in it. Uh, and if that's the case, then obviously ignore me. But it is a feel good movie. It will remind you of the things that you loved about your relationship with your pet. Um, and you know, Michael J. Fox is a voice in it. You can't go wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of movie that makes you smile and feel good. It, it, that the scares are never all that scary, um, you know. But the feel is still good there at the end. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that, that's what I wrote down. But 
Uh, does anybody have any non-animal answers for this guy in case he's? Just- yeah, I mean, I have, I have, I'm, I brought down uh, two of them. I, I will say that there's an aside here. Like this is not what you would want to uh, read or watch uh, when a pet dies or anything. But when, where the red fern grows is what I immediately thought of when this. You know, um, I've never owned dogs or anything, but I have owned had pets and everything and have had pets die and all that. And it's always the worst thing. You know, it's always feels like the worst thing when it happens, but, uh, where the red fern grows, uh, it's m- known more as a book than it is. It's made, they made two movies out of it. Uh, two. Yeah. Oh, there was one in the seventies and then another one they made, oh, 15 years ago. Oh, really? Like yeah. Um, with LeVar Burton. Really? No. <laughs> Uh, you could tell me anything. Uh, I have no knowledge. Uh, I remember the one in the in the seventies because we watched that at some point. But yeah, uh, I'm not sure any of them are are considered. That's a random name. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, I'm sure that um, I, I'm. You know, I'm not sure if those movies are and those movies are not considered classics or anything. But where the red fern grows is a really sad story, but it also has an uplifting sort of ending to it. Um, uh, if you've never read it, I suggest reading it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not during you know the loss of a pet and everything, but you know somewhere down the road and everything. I think it. I think it's a, a book that really sort of puts that stuff in perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I put I put two movies down. One for the feel good movie I put in Contact because mm. I feel like that's an affirming movie um, that uh, you know, especially since the, the Jodie Foster character is is as underdog as it gets yeah. <laughs> um constantly being told by the men in the movie that you're not going to be able to do this type of stuff and you know only her father is the one who's really sort of like you know the the champion of her even after she i was watching that scene again even after she discovers the signal yeah and she it's a yeah, great well, they, long shot of her coming all the way back down the road to the to the, uh, the 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 hub there and interacting with their team, and then as soon as Drumlin gets in there, mm-hmm. he starts fucking taking over. Well, yeah, and, and he was the guy. On, he was the guy who didn't believe in any of it. Exactly, and he wanted to cut the funding and all that, and it just goes to show how much politics involved, and especially during the scenes where they're, you know, they're interviewing all the would be pilots and everything. Yeah. And she gives them the straight answers, and everybody else is giving them the answers they want to hear, and. And, uh, you know, they end up giving him the, of course, ironically, it's you believe of, in God, Ellie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't want to learn, live in a world that there's no God. <laughs> um, but, um, by, of course, obviously by the time she does get to, to go, it's, you know, it's this, it's this wonderful type of space travel, uh, movie and it, and uh, and yeah at the end it's it's very unsatisfying as far as like you know but she gets to see her dad again and mm-hmm. that's sort of a an important thing and then um and it's it's unsatisfying just because this is the way it's always been done we're not going to tell you any more than this yeah and, yeah and so on and so it's so frustrating you went through all this fucking trouble to give diagram of a ship and and now you're going to be like well you've seen this i'm not gonna tell you anymore figure it out on your own yeah exactly yeah, um, dicks. but uh <laughs> but by the end of it uh the the part that always gets me though is just the angela bassett james woods conversation at the end yep. and everything and there because the, what they saw was that she was gone she was never gone she only she landed straight in the net 
and the the recording recorded 18 hours of static and it's always one of those things that just like you know like uh, what gets you yeah what's weird about that is when you go back and you look at the the senate hearing or the congressional hearing and you see like james woods he puts on the static and then he nods at somebody to turn it off Mm mm-hmm but the movie presents it is that he didn't know that there was 18 hours of static. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if he knew beforehand or if he knew afterwards. And he's a dick. He knew before. I think he, knew, think he knew. I think he knew. And I think that when she says it recorded 18 hours of it, he's like, that is interesting, isn't it? Oh, he yeah, yeah. doesn't say he doesn't say it like, what? Really? Yeah. He doesn't do that. Yeah. He's he. Yeah, he always knew. Um, I still think it's. It, uh, ridiculous though that they went through with the whole senate hearings anyway if yeah. if people saw that and everything unless they're just trying to cover it up but why would they i mean everybody knows that they're they're getting this alien signal i don't know it, it, i know just, believe me so weird. believe me we send the shit out of that <laughs> um but uh but uh in the tearjerker uh it's a similar movie interstellar oh yeah um the i mean the the scene that of course everybody sort of has memed to death is mcconaughey crying when he sees his daughter Mm -hmm. i'm almost there with him though. oh yeah i don't understand i mean i understand where people got the the idea that this was something that like let's just make fun of this all the time (laughs) or whatever this isn't as serious as you think it is um uh, I, I, I just sit there and always think about what it would feel like yeah. if you're, if your kid who you knew as this 12 year old girl comes up to you is, is gets on a screen and she's 30 something all of a sudden and she hates you and she hates you. How much of that would, I mean, you, I feel that every single time I watch the movie. And mm-hmm. I also think that it's, even though the ending of that movie is very hopeful and it's got a, you know, it's, it ends on an up note. It ends with him uh, saying goodbye to his dying daughter, who is like now ninety <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and he has to go off and like you know, you know, start a whole new life elsewhere. You know, it's it is kind of funny that like uh, they they name the the base after after his daughter and not him. He thinks it's named after him, and there's like almost no recognition of what he's done yep, by that yep. point. That's what's so sad about the stuff that he's gone through by the end of it uh yeah interstellar i think is a good uh, tearjerker yeah good one i've got a really uplifting one that uh will absorb you and take your mind off of things it's apollo 13 yeah you will get so immersed with you know the the problem solving the characters the relationships the dialogue all that stuff um that you'll forget about your cares for a while and then Every time, man, I know exactly what is happening mm-hmm. at the end of this movie. I know how it ends. Mm-hmm. I've seen it 13 times. Yep. Ah, nice. Uh, but I still get that like tension when they mm-hmm. lose when they lose the radio contact. And then when it comes on, it's good to see you, Houston. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. It's fucking great, man. Yeah, man yeah. It's awesome. Well, yeah. by the way, this whole time you were talking, because I'm half deaf, I thought for sure you said the power of 13. And I was sitting here going, should I say out loud? I don't know what movie he's talking about. <laughs> but you actually said Apollo 13, yes. and now I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. But, in other words, go watch movies that have space in them. Yeah. yeah that was <laughs> a lot of space recommendations. Watch The Martian, too, while you're at yeah, it. I think yeah, there's so even a Homeward it. Bound sequel in space. <laughs> Probably is. Leprechaun in space. <laughs> um, we'll end on a happy note here. Um, what is your favorite short film and why? Would you like to see it adapted into a feature film? Now, this is interesting. 
Because in researching the answer to this question, I realized I need to see more short films. Well, yeah. sure. Yeah, the most of the short films I've seen are what you guys have seen. Like mm-hmm. I, I have let them go by the wayside most of the time, these short movies. Um, uh, you know, a lot of you, you guys picked up some Pixar stuff mm-hmm. and everything like that. I've seen a couple that are considered the best of all time. I don't know if I would want them to be a feature length, though. Like, one of the old ones, I think it's uh, Louis Buñuel made uh, one called Unshin Andalou. Yeah, yeah, and it's got a, the famous It's a fucking crazy movie. Um, I don't know if I would want a whole feature of that. It's it's perfect length. <laughs> Do you remember like what happens in that? Because obviously the eyeball being cut is the big, yeah. is the big thing. But what, what else is happening? I don't remember. I saw <laughs> okay. it. I saw it. 20 something years ago uh-huh. was the first time i saw it um but uh that's always considered one of those all time because it's so i guess it's because it's so like you know it's so sim got a lot of symbols and you know symbolic type of um, things in it and it's got those images in it and it's just a crazy movie another movie that i saw fairly recently uh that's also considered in one of those best all time is called la jete that movie has been made into a full-length feature, and that was 12 Monkeys. Ah. Uh, La is basically just told through photographs. It's not 12 Monkeys, but it's the same sort of like deal going on in it. It's a time-traveling type of thing, hmm. but it doesn't have all the same plot. It doesn't have nearly the plot that 12 Monkeys does. It just has that sa- very bare-bones loop of time. Uh, and and then they, tw- they made 12 monkeys basically out of that so that was another one that was just sort of off the list as soon as i thought of it and everything it's like well it's been made we've mm-hmm. seen it 12 monkeys is a great movie um so i went and watched one just for this question just wow watched one. dedication well yeah and it's a random one uh I'm, I'm not gonna come up with these you know amazing freaking like you know like tons of short films for you or anything <laughs> but uh i went ran across one called rpg okc it's a nine minute uh short film using basically like 90s nintendo video game animation and like quirks and uh stuff like that wow and p and it starts off with this guy on his computer and you can tell it's sort of in the modern age because it's talking about facebook and stuff like that and it's about a guy who's like a knight in this castle who has uh has started talking to this uh this woman online kind of a catfish sort of scenario because the woman is actually like a cat and it's a, <laughs> the, the cat is in another world another dimension and uh and so like they like there's like these little scenes where like the you see the little guy walk out like like a video game uh, <laughs> rpg guy would out to the castle and he's like talking to his brother and he's like yeah i was talking to this girl last night and he goes that girl's totally a dude man and all that type of things like keeps going back and forth like that um and um and so like the they finally decide like the the guy's like here show me a show me a picture of you and she shows an actual picture of her of herself and it's like you know she's a cat <laughs> and he's like he's like, he he uh he he goes he i think he goes away for a bit and he comes back and he goes you're the most beautiful woman i've ever seen <laughs> so they, they want to like meet each other and everything so he has to go and like you know he has to go and like actually there's a point where he gets into an rpg style fi- final fantasy battle <laughs> where, <laughs> where he's like he's like sort of unwittingly gotten into one and everything and then like <laughs> it's got a lot of like really funny references to video games just like video game stuff and it like 
these they he runs into these like four girls and these girls are like kicking all these knights asses and everything and like he gets hit like really hard and he's like he's like He's like, girls, quit for a moment. Just I'm trying to meet a girl. <laughs> and and she's like, she's like, the, the girls are like, well, I don't know. I guess we could run away, right? Well, yeah, but we won't get any of their items. <laughs> and she's like, do you have any items? And like you see a big thing show up on the screen that says like, you know, like a uh, potion received or something like that. And they let him move on. That's so it's, it's, it's a funny, uh, it's a funny little thing. And I ran across it because I was looking up best short films and everything. And someone had put this in a list and uh, I would recommend seeing it. RPG cool. OKC. I'll go. I'll, I'm going to throw out an old school shout out for the, the original Wallace and Gromit films, although at 30 oh, minutes, I yeah, think yeah, pushing short film length. Uh, and sadly, the voice of Wallace has died yeah. in the last month. Um, but I am going to go with my very, very favorite. Again, I don't have like a, a film student's breadth of knowledge of short films. I'm sorry, but I'm going to go with Presto. It's the Pixar short that ran in front of. I think it was Wally. It's a good one, and it's uh, basically the rabbit. And all the shenanigans oh, with yeah, the magician yeah, 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 yeah. and the magic hat. And there's there's moments where if you've ever played the Portal video games, <laughs> there's <laughs> moments in this magic hat short that are reminiscent of that. And I was crying the first time I saw mm -hmm. this by the end. I was just, it's one of, all the Pixar shorts are good. Uh, most of them are as much charming as they are funny. Right. This one's just laugh, 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 laugh all the way through. It's my very, very favorite. Nice. Yeah. Good one. Presto. Yeah. I even put the link again. in the email for you guys Ooh, so you could watch, watch it. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I just did recently see uh, the Pixar short Lou mm -hmm. uh, that, that was right before the Cars 3 movie. And it's really good. It's about this uh, this playground bully and this um, creature made out of the contents of a lost and found box mm -hmm. and you know how they reconcile and everything. <laughs> the kid keeps stealing stuff uh, from the, the other playground people. And that's really good. But I'm going to go super classic with my, because I think this is a short film. It's directed by John Landis, the thriller video. Oh, oh yeah, that qualifies. Okay. Um, it's got a beginning, middle, and an end, and a pretty badass song and some pretty badass dancing. So yeah. that's going to be my pick. And, I mean, it's probably about the nine, ten minutes long. Um, mm -hmm. We actually recently, or we sent it last Halloween, and uh, I was reminded just how groundbreaking it is mm -hmm. and how awesome there's a lot of things wrong with it uh but it's really amazing to look at and at it's that really time good. music videos were not using hollywood makeup like that nope. and hiring hollywood directors and like really making it you know film-esque mm -hmm. of course it would be michael jackson who would be the guy that would want to push that envelope uh, but that's a great call. I love yeah. that. All right. Well, and and if anything, this question basically says we need to watch a few more short films. I know. I really. But I, to answer that that last part of the the question, would you like to see it like expanded into a thing? No, I think there's there's a genre for short film uh, that needs to be pushed. It's like short stories. Yeah, I yeah. love reading short stories, a collection of short stories, as much as I love reading novels. It's just a different you know methodology well and the one that i watched would definitely fit for that now you don't you don't want to watch a movie that's got a whole bunch of video game text all the way through it uh all the way but it's a and the reason i mean movies are short films are a reason for a reason because a lot of the times you wouldn't be able to take that presentation for 30 minutes plus mm -hmm. um but I felt like that world of RPG OKC would definitely fit a, a bigger world. Like you, I mean, it, it's, it actually feels too short the way it, way it runs out. Cause it's nine minutes. Hmm. 
Um, but the, I feel like the world of Presto would be something that would be easily made into a big movie and yeah. everything. And, uh, and, you know, maybe not thriller, although they keep, they keep adding layers and thriller where yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, they're what? Oh, they were watching a movie. Oh, now they're in real <laughs> life. No. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe they weren't in real it's life. It's a dream. Yeah. Now. It's a dream. But yeah, that's the, that's what I'm going to take from it. I'm gonna have to watch more short movies. All right. Well, that'll do it for this syncast. Please keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your thoughts. Yeah. Let us know where you're from. We've been getting a lot of uh, emails and messages and comments and things like that from uh, everywhere in the world. Even if you're in the States, let us know what you're, where you're from, where you're listening. It's a lot of fun. This last episode that we did uh, is just, you guys were crushing the comments. It was fantastic. It's great to interact with you. We'll, uh, we'll get back to you as much as we can. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll do it for the this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Now Chris's daughter is going to come in the comments and say, I listen from the closet where he keeps me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think all those MTV Awards shows are indistinguishable. Yeah. They kind of are. Did you see they're going gender neutral with the, uh, the it's the uh, movie awards. Oh, they're yeah. They're not going to have well, an actor or actress. Yeah. Be best, I like that. Best person. Uh, best person in like the moon men because are going to be moon people now. This is, cl- that's clearly something where you don't need to have a distinguished, you know, you don't have to distinguish between anybody on that. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know. You know, like you, you, you can put it all in one category, and it's great. I mean, it's, it's yeah, totally- and they don't do that at the Oscars because I think they know on some deep down level that they would just vote all men because mm-hmm. they're all old, racist bastards. Well, <laughs> I think I think it's in. I mean, the other the other side of it though is that there's more winners. Sure, that way. I mean, mm-hmm. the, it you have you do lose something by saying best person, best actor without you know whatever you for, you for mtv they're not looking to push the awards themselves anyway they're looking for performances and shit yeah. like that the oscars are about the performances right so like or, so the oscars i mean in that way you do get you get four different actors get you know and if they did it just like best person and best supporting person you'd only have two at that mm-hmm. point and there would be even more uproar about who lost and all that who got shafted yeah who got shafted but they're also bringing back trl yeah. Oh, that. really? Is Carson Daly coming <laughs> no. with it too? I don't know who's going to host it, but they're building. They, they're spending a goddamn ton of money to rebuild the studio, the, looking over Times Square. Yeah. You know, yeah. They used to have, and uh, yeah, they're going to try to make this video clip show thing like a, an event again. Hmm. Yeah. There's no fucking way that's going to work. No, nope. I wouldn't think Not so. Not at all. I don't Not even know what they're smoking. I don't know because they have enough. First of all, they're far from the only channel that has vastly strayed from their original, you know, content. Yeah, the Learning Channel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't know that they have to get back to their roots. Music videos are not a thing that works on TV anymore because mm-hmm. there is YouTube, mm-hmm. right? And who cares about your arbitrary countdown or your Miley Cyrus is in studio today? Blah blah blah. Who cares? Yeah, nobody. But you've got shit that works, like the Real World and that Catfish show is really popular. I don't know why they don't just Wild and Out is coming back and that that is a show that lends itself to being, you know, something that you would watch on TV. 
Because they do have like big guests like Chance the Rapper and stuff like that. Yeah, well, we may have discussed this before, but are all catfish episodes about people who? I mean, are do any of are any of them real? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah every now and then, it seems like once or twice a season, <laughs> they'll, a they'll find one, and they're they're always shocked. Like I just saw one the other day on a rerun, and they this guy showed up on an rv like they told him to meet him at this, at this lake and they're there and he shows up on an rv and he's exactly who he always said he was and they're like i'm not convinced yet answer these questions for me like they're so shocked when it's act but yeah. they've even had a couple like matchmaking like they actually helped two people who wanted to meet you know meet and fall in love or date or what have you even if they're not the person that they were supposed to be no almost never when th- in that case oh, okay um uh, yeah almost never in that case because I mean, what is the level of a catfish, though? So say, like, I, I market myself as this, like, 150-pound, like, chiseled dude yeah. um, that is otherwise pretty much me, and then I show up with this. Mm-hmm. Like, is that technically a catfish? Yes. And, and as long as you're faking what you look like or your identity, you're you're a catfish. Mm-hmm. Ah. But I, if you see, are I who you said was, you are... And, I haven't done that before. I thought that was fairly common, though. People, I mean, I mean, not super common but i thought that the whole misrepresenting yourself through pictures and stuff like that was something very common whereas catfish was more along the lines of they're faking everything and they have like no intention or something like yeah that. they have no intention of ever dating or whatever they just like to do the ruse and everything most often it's somebody of the same gender mm-hmm. or it's somebody who has self-image issues so you know, when they finally meet, a lot of the stuff they've shared with this person in their relationship was true. Like, my mom really did die of cancer, or mm. like, it really did have to go to jail when I was 15, or what have you. It's just that they're misrepresenting what they look like. Mm. Ah. Uh, but these people have built a relationship through texts and messages and what have you. Phone calls often. Anyway. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's weird. But now they've been at it for so long, they're getting into, like... Just the other day, I saw one where it was somebody. The catfish was somebody they had caught on a previous episode catfishing. Oh, really? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've been at it for so long. They're catching the same people twice. At that point, they it becomes like to catch a predator or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know? Here's Barney again. What are you doing here? <laughs> well, they are spinning that show off, and they're gonna they're gonna go after internet trolls. Ooh, and uh, I guess people who harass people online or what have you. I don't know. I wonder mm. how that's gonna work. I would maybe watch that yeah uh, you know i got a lot of free time uh, well, i would maybe, maybe watch almost if anything if it's anything like uh jay and silent bob strike back where they go and visit all the people all the kids that said bad stuff about them and they beat everybody down that's that's the best part of that movie and it's so worth the whole thing to get there yeah <laughs> you are the ball liquor <laughs> yeah. oh sharon stones and quick and the dead i'm not gonna fucking watch that <laughs> Watch it. I don't think you get that sentiment these days. No, you I probably. Don't I don't know. Maybe or, not. Or... <laughs> if you want to see her taint. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I might even have a bonus question for you guys. Oh, oh no. Those always work out great. <laughs> <laughs>